everything I've worked for to protect my children is all going to unravel in front of my eyes to I can fucking do this. Now my neighbors are, as I described before, fucking empowered to like stake signs in their lawn and have shout their racism from the rooftops. It was a movie that we finished and I was like, I'm going to be thinking about this movie for a long, long time. And I want to go watch it again. Yeah. It's just so good. It's like, how is she going to get out of that basement? Oh my gosh, she got out of the basement. How is she going to have this fucking baby? How is she in that bathtub and the monster's coming up the stairs? And the monster's coming up the stairs. (laughs) And in you're just oh. Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Palmer Broadcasting and Podcasting to you. Live if you're watching it tonight, and not live if you're catching up with us when this gets released on Long Walk Short Drink episode 53 from live from Dayton, Ohio. Yes, sir. And this is Dave podcasting at you and live streaming from Northfield, Minnesota on what, September 5th, 5th. 2018, as we're speaking. Yeah. Sun setting on the back porch. We're getting ready to talk some films, talk some, I don't know, life. <laughs> Take some drinks. <laughs> Take a long walk drink. to have a short drink. <laughs> and joining us tonight. Now, this has got to be, I, I can't remember the last time, if ever, this happened, that we concepted an episode and said we should do this the next episode. <laughs> and then we did. It is very unusual. It, it might be a first. I'm, I think I'm you're right about sure that. Double D could, could corroborate that if that's true or not. But joining <laughs> us, we talked about it last episode on the Cobra Kai episode. We have Ash joining us for a double whammy discussion. I got Ash to watch. I mean, we talked about Black Klansmen. That one was that one was an easy sell. I mean, she wanted to sell. see it anyways. True. The hard sell was A Quiet Place. I got asked to watch one of the <laughs> scariest movies. Ooh, it was the, scary. definitely the scariest movie that's come out this year so far, in my opinion. Uh, probably one of the best horror movies I've seen easily in the top five. I think it's so good. It was a very oh, good Oh, like movie. ever? Yeah. Your top five my, of oh, my wow. horror films, I would say like... It just the use, uh, the use of sound is so much more impactful for me because I'm an auditory person, anyways. And this move in that movie, just like the way it uses sound is so amazing, it's just great. Yes, so, um, agreed. Yeah, so we already have one viewer. That's Moto, if that's you, hey, hey. If it's not Moto, join us for live chat. Also, you can chat along with us if you head over to our YouTube channel. Oh, let me mute that. There we go. Uh, 
you can live chat with us while this is going on. So, um, welcome, welcome. You have a bottle opener? Oh, uh, I do have a bottle opener up here. We're not there yet, though. Okay, yeah, that's one? fine. I'm not, I mean, I'm <laughs> not gonna, I'm not gonna, oh, they are? They're all twist offs. Oh, all right, then, never mind. Yeah. I don't need it. I'm like, ahead I, of myself. I want to be I drink ready. beer that opens itself. <laughs> I want to be ready. <laughs> luxury beers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I drink luxury beers that open themselves. <laughs> That's great, that? man. Is Gallo is that who? That's is Vincent Gallo, oh, Buffalo sixty six. Thank you very much, Buffalo sixty six. Yeah, it is Moto. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. Hi, Moto. Oh, I gotta get off the screen. Yeah, that's it's just weird because it's in like delay. I like it over here. Um, that's what she said. That's what she said. Uh, so I'm. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. I'm trying to. There we go. We'll mute that. Sorry. No, that's I was going to ask a substantive question. Then I was like, well, that's probably best to wait. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Because now I can see the live chats and chat back on my two keyboards, two mice. I am like, I feel like. Sometimes I feel like you when we used to do Palmer's picks where you were like <laughs> doing all the magic. And I do the magic with like trying to just. Keep. That's right. And it's just for You're me. The magic man it's for this for one. Me, yeah, though. it's not for really. But yeah, two keyboards. No, you you mice. do the you do the live stream. I mean, essentially, it's it's yeah. You do what I did Let's, for Palmer's listen, picks before we start sucking each other's dicks. <laughs> hey, As I'm wearing my I, don't need to, I don't need to be. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen i can. google let, let's be fair google does a fair amount of the live stream <laughs> they, they, yeah, anybody suppose, yeah. credit for the live stream i think it should be google we're up to three viewers thanks for joining oh, us my by goodness. The way. um make sure you're joining us over on our youtube page where you can chat live with us as well uh yeah man so cobra kai was the last episode right it was so yeah good. Oh, so, thanks. So that was a guys. doozy of a. Uh, it was a. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, really so enjoyed sweet. it. Yeah, yeah, she. Uh, I actually, I kept hearing her laughing out loud, like while she, because she, she start, she's picked up podcasts. Um. A please and thank you would be nice. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah, you were like demanding people to get on the live stream. Oh yeah, get uh, yeah, get on the. Please get on and chat with us live. Oh, I, that's how I talk Thank to you. our audience. They like that. They come back. It's like when we that's piss. True. Wait till a break. Say, Don't fucking go anywhere. We're just pissing. Well, one they of like, one like of your audience members wants a little bit of of politeness. That's all. It's Moto. He knows I love him. He knows I'll say please. <laughs> you could chat with us and Moto right now by heading over. If you please would head over to our YouTube page. Very nice. Thank you. It Very would be nice. great. I wonder if that was a, that might've been a Tarantino quote. Like, cause I think maybe it's Travolta says that as like, oh, please would be nice. Oh yes. Pretty please. With yeah. sugar on top, clean yeah. the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. Good job, Moto. Nice Took me, a yeah. Oh, that's so great. Um, Ash, what did you? Where do you listen or or engage with the podcast? On which platform? Um, I have a just on iTunes, the iTunes podcast app. Oh, so cool! I follow you guys on that and get that's sweet notifications. And then most of the time, I I'm listening while I'm walking the dog because Mr. Tank moves slow. 
And so I get through a good <laughs> chunk of the podcast every time we take a walk. Yeah. So she also listened to and sometimes cereal. when I'm cooking. Yeah. You listen, you listen to cereal. Oh, yeah, the cereal podcast was really good. Oh, yeah. The the Adnan one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I listened to that whole season, the whole season that they had. So it was well more than a season. It was on multiple episodes. And then I also listened to. Um, oh, I'm going to forget the name of it now. But it's the podcast. It's a podcast that broke down um, the Watergate. Stan the man burglary podcast, I bet. Um, And so each episode, they take a different piece of the Nixon administration and the Watergate scandal from the from the burglary happening all the way through Nixon getting impeached. And it is so fascinating. It is brilliantly done and very well, um, you know, put together. And the parallels between things that are happening currently and that podcast are also mind blowing. So would it be yeah. in your history on your supercomputer? <laughs> uh, probably, probably I hope. I hope that podcast can do a season two next year. When they finished the se- the season, they said that they were the next one they were going to do was going to be about the Clinton um, impeachment. Impeachment. Oh, uh, okay. So um, I'm hoping that's just because they'll need more research time to do the one of the on the Orange Menace. <laughs> Ooh. Agent Orange, as Spike Lee calls him. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, serial. Did you listen to S Town? That's a like a it's a serial presents. So S-Town. yeah, ser- they they promoted that um at the end of of serial, but I haven't gotten into that. I I haven't listened to any of it yet. That one's really um, good. It's it's not uh it's not the same as the Adnan, and it's not the same person. It's a different kind of host, if you will, or like guide into it. Not Sarah Koenig. We but, will definitely, because uh, really she talked, uh, she talked a ton about this water Slow game. Slow burn. Slow burn. Slow burn. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Um, it's a slate podcast. But yeah, uh, the Cobra Kai episode, yeah, anyway. she just would come, she would keep it on when she would come back from walking the dog. That's how I know she was really into a podcast because she did that oh, a couple wow. times with cereal and she, you know, and, uh, I heard more chuckling over the course of the week of her listening to the Cobra Kai episode because, I, I mean, Moto gets so much credit. We for uh, the episodes even that he's not on, he sits through the whole thing live while we're recording it. Pretty <laughs> much, astounding. right? Like it is, it is crazy. Um, I mean, I know Double D and I know Twinkie. They they listen for a good chunk too on our live recording nights, um, but. You, anybody that does one of our episodes in just one sitting, it's like you either have a, just a, a, a mindless cube job or like when I'm in the or you're show, our family or you're our family. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Like, so, but so over the week as she was listening to the episode, I just heard her chuckle like so many, so many times. It was so much fun to record and just to revisit that show and the, the karate kid whole like Miyagi story and all that stuff. It was um, really fun to to binge watch uh, the karate, the Cobra Kai. Oh yeah, series that Saturday we spent just doing nothing. It was awesome. Um, but then to hear you guys analyze it and to hear all of the like little nuances and and things that I didn't pick up on or didn't pay attention to or hadn't realized or hadn't remembered. And I still want to look up a video of Mr. Miyagi, the actor, not talking like mr miyagi because i've never seen that before and i'm i I heard you guys talk about it on the podcast and i was like i'm not sure if i want to hear that 
because that's oh, really yeah, going to shatter yeah. my perception of Mr. Miyagi if I hear him talking like Joe the plumber. Like it's just not going to have the same impact. And that is kind of how he talks. Like he's yeah. Uh, here, Dave just tweeted this out today. Look at that. That's look at nice. little Dave. <laughs> <laughs> which That's one is great. that doing the crazy i tweeted kick. a bunch of stuff <laughs> today oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know a lot of people do just listen on uh on on audio which is how i largely engage with podcasts as well but uh we've been i've been putting so much into the i basically edit it as a video yeah. chat and uh do video stuff to it and then have started the dreaming out loud archive outro segment or coda and for karate kid i had a lot of stuff like the first stuff first video footage ever rolled on me and moto was age seven and uh probably three i guess <laughs> or maybe four at the yeah four four for for moto and, and seven for me just about to turn eight doing karate kid stuff and so while there's a few minutes of that i'll see that's not tank coming in who's that who's oh that's that character? Mose. Mose kitty she's Mose. Like herself in <laughs> yeah. the doorway Mose kitty <laughs> Yeah. That's a bathtub right there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. If I could do that, I'd never leave the house. <laughs> if I could do that, this podcast wouldn't exist. I know. <laughs> I'd be still be on I'd still be broadcasting on the internet, but it'd be a whole different dark corner. Like we'd be webcam guys. Yeah, yes, we would, and we would be rich. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! But yeah, so the, there was I tweeted out the picture today, which is a still from the the video code from Cobra Kai, which is me and Moto <coughs> doing dressed up and doing Karate Kid stuff. I, and then I tweeted a, a link that that I didn't put it at the code because I didn't want it to be so long because it's like a ten minute thing on its own. This the first I realized a few years ago the first movie I ever really made was was film was having someone film me using the whole cast of characters of the karate kid um action figure uh line and uh playset of uh they i don't know what they called the playset but it's like the title card for the movie and so i tweeted that out it's a karate kid action th theater <laughs> so anyway That's lots awesome. of karate kid in my background and we brought it to light uh last last time well um and, and I, did I, you have I, sorry go ahead i will argue that it's partly it's because of youtube um premium that I but I have switched over to listening to the show on YouTube now because it is most of the time it's just in my pocket just like it would be if I was using a normal audio podcast app and that's one of the benefits of YouTube premium is you can like go off of the YouTube app and it will still play if you're on an iPhone yeah um, oh yeah 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 which is awesome uh, but it is nice to just at any time I can pull that out and just see us on there so um i would highly recommend if you have access to doing that either at a computer to listen like in your cube or whatever uh the youtube is just it's it is a, a nice addition to to kind of increase the podcast experience for sure yeah and the timing yeah. is the same too so if you do listen on audio and we mention something you might want to see in a video form if you just make note of like oh it was that <laughs> Three hours and forty-five minutes. <laughs> and then you could go to the YouTube. Seventeen hours. <laughs> but we're doing a kind of a shorter. Oh, sorry. Going to try and set a record someday. I think I think YouTube Live. There's a limit to how long you're able to record in one go. I think it's like twelve hours or something like that. Like, <laughs> Gosh, could you imagine? I mean, we we are close. I mean, we've yes, almost hit that imagine. a couple times at Absolutely. least. Uh, Challenge me. The revenge episode. That one was. That was epic, yeah. That and we, 
there's yeah we were like i think there might have been this was before i started to include the video feed on the youtube but i remember looking it over looking over i'm watching the screen the whole time but i know like shamrock started to get really hammered there was one moment where i looked at you and you were asleep oh yeah. <laughs> just for like a I've moment seen but video. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. yep yep Yep. No, I mean, we, 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 I, I, well, we drank, before, I, so. I probably drank 18 beers that night. Oh yeah. It was such a long session. And it was like, we were seven hours into that show and like still had three more movies to talk about. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But today we have, uh, we, we both have uh, sort of things early in the morning. So we're doing what we call hard out <laughs> around a certain time. We're going to try and do two movies in basically two hours, which I, well, we're just going to. It's not like we no, can or can't. More than two hours. I mean, because we're. I mean, oh, yeah. I, if we start them, but we we've already talked about Quiet Place a little bit, you know. So we've teased that, and um, yeah, yeah. What's um? I know you. So we, I'll cut this out if you guys don't want to talk about it. But I'm curious to know how like your new collective gigs are. I know it's early in that, or I don't know if you want to talk about it at all. But it's just been on my mind, so I thought I'd ask. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. So mine started. Uh, this is my third week, so two weeks ago, and don't um, like say what it is though. Yeah, just like the first your reaction. Yes, to it. so the first week was all orientation with a bunch of people in the same cohort, like learning about the job and figuring out, you know, the ins and outs. And technically, my title is intern. Um, thankfully, I'm not being paid like an intern, but I am technically an intern just because my level in the job is. Um, at a lower stance than everybody else. So they, it's a three-year program and they give me um, time to learn. I'll be doing two different rotations in two different areas of the work. Um, and so the first 18 months is um, where I am now. And it's so first 18 months and then we transfer to a different area for the next 18 months. And the whole idea is that by the end of that, you are elevating yourself to a, a position where you can either get placed into a third place and be there as long as you want to be um, or, you know, request and have the opportunity to apply to go and move around to other areas. Um, I really like that flexibility that I've got opportunity to kind of explore and see where I'm going to find myself a fitting or feel like I'm going to fit. Um, it is a completely different industry than I've ever been in, in before. And uh, so in that way, it's, it's very new and still exciting because it is new. Um, but also very intimidating. And it's a lot, 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 lot to learn. Um, thankfully, I'm coming in with a master's degree. So I'm a couple steps ahead of some of the other folks in my cohort or who have bachelors. And um, this job will pay you to get a master's if you want. But thank God I don't have to have that as an option. Thank God. I'm not going to say never say never. Yeah. I don't foresee myself ever seeking another advanced degree another degree period <laughs> i don't see it in my future i don't see it as a necessity for my career so that being said i'm in a position where i'm learning and and taking a lot of courses and doing a lot of certifications in the last couple of weeks in this new role but um it's it's kind of refreshing and a little bit exciting because i haven't been in in classes in a couple of years so um it's going well so far. Uh, my office environment is super quiet. People are very business. Come in, do your work, leave. Not a whole lot of tell me about your life and your family and your friends and what do you like and what do you do. And the most personal it got was just my boss when we were having our first meeting just saying, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And so, you know, I talked about I'm married. I have a dog and a cat. I volunteer at the hospital. Like 
but that was pretty much it. Um, I did mention that I sing. Uh, so I think there will be opportunities for me to grow and develop and figure out where I want to land. And I feel like I'm in an environment where there will be opportunity for me to see places that I can land once I figure out where that is. Um, but it, the money is better than I was ever getting at my last job. So or ever going to get at my last job, I think I would probably have to be there for 20 years just to get where I am now in this new job. Um, so that's positive. And so yeah. it's, it's definitely a learning experience, new schedule, new environment, uh, new commute, all that stuff is new. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they better be nice to you. <laughs> so far they are. Yeah. That's how I yeah. See it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I am in a different department, uh, but work for the same organization I just started. So we're. Uh, and it's, it's the same, I mean, pretty much, I mean, I would, I would kind of echo a lot of the same things. It, it's very, very professional, very, um, I don't know, bureaucratic. That Just is true. Very yeah. like there is an order to the way things get done. And so you do them that way. And, uh, a lot of it, a lot of in the anxiety, if you even want to call that what I've been feeling is just, um, just because it's new and I, uh, you know, everybody will, everybody says like, you'll, this will all make sense in, in, in time. And, um, but they do kind of, uh, just kind of throw you in and you're kind of, it, it's kind of your own responsibility to, take charge of your learning and your training and your uh, all of those resources are available but it's like you have to take the initiative to be like okay I want to do this thing where do I go to find that and uh, so yeah I mean it, it's it's okay it's it's okay I like I I've been telling people like this is a great example uh, like this is a great uh, metaphor for my like how it's going so far it, my cube is so small that like I brought Ash to see how small it was and we both can't stand in it at the same time That's oh, wow. how small it is. and so like I have uh, they there's plenty of storage in there but there's a there's like a bin you know that has one of those doors so it's a it's a cube and it's got a hanging bin on it with a flap door that like flaps out. Oh like yeah, this. I know what you and mean. Then it's got, and then everyone I've seen up to this point, because I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll tattle on myself for being stupid, but everyone I've seen up to this point, you have to get it all the way out before you can like push it back, and it'll go across the top of that bin. And yeah, it's like, like slide a big in. open like cavern, right? Well, there's a whiteboard on the back wall of my cube, and I went to open that storage, and it hits the whiteboard. It won't let you like swing it all the way open because you don't have enough room like to pull yeah. it all the way out well there's like there's <laughs> only like this much of a gap between that storage and the whiteboard so the door like swings out and it's like doom, 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 doom. <laughs> oh man and i'm just like so like if you're down and you're like looking up into it you can like feed stuff up into that <laughs> into that cube <laughs> and, uh, into that little cubby right and I showed Ash that, and she's just like, 
ever ash just trying to be positive and always trying to find the positive in things and i'm not positive and uh as i'm like showing her that i'm like well i wonder and i push and it'll it'll let you start going up like even if it's still closed you can like basically go up so it it does like open all the way up uh but it really was like at first i'm just like that was just a perfect analogy of me like uh I had to go to one part, like another building, aside from where it, we also got lucky because we're our the buildings that we got assigned to are side by side as well. And so, but I had to go to another building, and for my initial piece when I on my first day, and my boss said, "When you get done with that, call me. I'll meet you outside our building." And we'll go. And so I parked and I'm like, I mean, I'm like two hours now at this point. I've, I've been on this job and call my boss. He's like, okay, I'll come out and get you. He comes out and gets me. And it's like in Ohio recently, it's been disgusting outside. I don't know how it's been. In yeah. Minnesota, it's been really it's humid and hot, super humid. humid, super fucking hot. Right. And so like, I'm in a suit, I'm in like khakis and a shirt and tie and a jacket and like i had to park like forever away from where my because the lots aren't like it's not like there's lots like right next to our building so i parked and i'm like walking through this heat in my suit with my backpack i meet my boss everything's fine at this point like sweat wise right but we go into the building and I hit the AC and I don't know if you're like this, but it's like, if I go from hot to the AC, it's like my body's like, all right, it's cool off time. And it just like dumps out the sweat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And so he's like, as we're walking into the building, I know this is going to happen, but he's like, Oh, I was in, we're, I'm in the middle of a, a, a meeting. Uh, you can just come and sit in on this meeting with like half my team. It's the first time they're meeting me and I sit down and start like, soon as I sit down, I'm sweating like a whore in church. Just like I like to the point that like I had rested just this much of my arm on the table and I pulled it up and it was like a puddle had like spread out from that. And I'm like trying to like, not let them see. I don't have anything with me. Of course I don't have a handkerchief or anything. So I'm like, trying to like scrape off this puddle of sweat like without them seeing i'm sweat like the first thing i did when i walked into the room was took my jacket off and so like i looked down and i'm all sweaty you can see my strap shirt through my dress shirt and like it's all sweated through and i'm just it's just like running like everybody was looking and nobody wanted to mention it that's like it was one of those situations and that's like my first impression I gave to half of my team. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, it uh, it's going great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll all look back on that and laugh someday soon. Yeah. Maybe I'll give you like the in you need someday. when you have to first socialize. <laughs> well, and I can say, like Ash said, like a lot of the people on my team are straight business. Um, a couple of them are like so business it's kind of intense uh but the group the small group of people that i will directly work with that all have the same like title and job responsibilities as i do they're like all goofballs already i can tell oh that's uh, excellent is, 
which I mean, and I need that kind of levity. I, I, I will just, it's already soul sucking enough. I don't need, I yeah. can't do all business all the time. Like I can't, I just can't, I can't a, do it. A mullet of Especially a job. In this environment, <laughs> yes. One of the silver linings that I think with this job for both of us is that there is a definitive start and end time. Like the end of the day comes and you walk away yeah. and all of your work stays at your desk. You don't bring any of it home with you. And then because of the environment that we're working in, there are other benefits. We have the benefit of a lot of time off, very generous time off. We'll have benefits of getting to use the gym and other facilities um, that are, are provided to us. So I get stuck in like a two hour commute one way to or from work. It's, I mean, it's, is, like, it's like it's super like close. 15 minutes for, for us to get there. It's not, it's not yeah. much time at all. So I'm, as ever the optimist, I'm choosing to focus on those positives and choosing to focus on those silver linings of, oh, so when my workday is over, I have to leave my computer here here and don't get to bring it home with me. Oh, yeah, you don't get paid enough to take your computer home. You don't get paid enough to stay late. You don't get paid enough to yeah. work until the job's done. Like we work until the end of the day and then the job <clears throat> will be there tomorrow. And everybody like has that mentality, has that mentality. There's no that's kind of excellent. <laughs> It is yeah. really, really excellent. Um, so, I mean, there, it, it, like I said, it just seems overwhelming because it is so, like, it's a totally different industry for both of us. Sounds like a, a totally, bit of culture shock, even. Yeah, uh, definitely yes. a little bit of that, yes. um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, we're trying to be really careful uh, about not say too much and not say too much. <laughs> Yeah, no, so, that's a that's a lot more than I, I thought you'd be comfortable to share. So I'm I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I could talk. I, I have no. I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying like our reactions to stuff. No, no. Uh, yeah, this all sounds fine to me too. Yeah. So, uh, it, it uh, yeah, I mean, like any new thing, it's gonna take some time for us to adjust and get used to it. It's gonna mean some different, a different style and schedule and routine for us especially around the holidays because we're not going to have as much time off as other people have at least um, the, at least, at least the for the first year years. first yeah. couple of years um but again the silver lining is if we play our cards right then we could be in a position to talk about buying a house in a couple of years um and yeah. uh could either have a definitive understanding of a career at this employer or a definitive understanding of exploring other options within yeah. a couple of years like we'll be able to say i would i think within a couple of years we'll either be able to say this i'm gonna ride this out to retirement or okay that was fun now i'm gonna step back and go do something else that's really what i'm looking at it is i have two years to make my business viable while it funds my business basically so yeah it sounds like um, you get you know you get all that commute time back that's, that's yeah huge <laughs> absolutely so um you know, if I can, if I can make the business, my business viable in these next two years to be able to say, Hey, we're in this position right now. And this is what, what I'm able to bring in and what I'm able to do. And I think that we can, based on these numbers, we can, we can make this happen. Then what's the problem with like, just putting this little bit of two year, this, this two years in, I mean, that's, yeah, that's. I mean, uh, unless you're a trust fund kid or something like that, I, I'm pretty sure everyone who started starts a business has another job until the one financially outweighs the yeah. other. I just heard um, 
you'd think I'd know everything there is to know about James Obar, the author of The Crow. But I heard a recent interview where he said he was he was wor- he was he ta- talked about like when the comic got picked up initially and all this stuff. And he's like, I was working um, day jobs until I got the movie check. Um, and it was a wow. successful underground comic book and all that stuff. And that's just like an example of, of yep. many, but, uh, yeah. yeah. And so he was talking I mean, about, it's like, reality. It's Oh, sure. Yeah. Really a reality. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice that the, if your day gig can be as cut and dry and stable and hopefully not too stressful. Cause, uh, yeah. I mean, I know what it's like to go sometimes and have super stressful day job and then try to find the, trying to find the energy for your passion uh, it's harder. <laughs> so, what do you love? If you watch that video, you can see the moment that I get this next thing that Moto just put in the chat. What the oh. what he's referencing? I, I did. I can't. For some reason, I haven't worked out the chat today. What did he say? Um. So we were talking about how hot it's been in Ohio, and he put my butt crack has been a slip and slide, and <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's how hot it's fucking been here. It's like it's like ninety eight percent humidity and like ninety eight degrees outside. I haven't even thought to turn the air off as much as I did last year. Oh, that's how hot it's been. Yeah, you <laughs> got fresh air you policy. Pre- preemptively say it's about time to like. We're it's close almost. To I said it's almost time. I was wrong. I was like, oh, it's almost oh, time so of year. Wrong. We can It's going to be October before open we turn all the it windows. Off. No, not in Dayton, Ohio. Not for. We August. have the same argument here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's the other way, right? Like you want to turn it off and No, no, I um I want to keep it on. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because yeah, she the bride likes it. She bride needs it cold. Like she puts it down to 65 at at night. Yeah. Air because she sleeps so yeah. hot. And uh but but at the same time she wants to have it open just for the fresh air and then yeah. if possible to hear rain and stuff like that. So we're not necessarily opposed on the idea idea of the whole thing but i just have a lot less tolerance but i can't die heat. that's the thing like <laughs> like i'm okay with opening the windows but i'm not gonna die for that to happen like i'd like oh you mean like be miserable yeah, yeah. no and suffocate from the humidity yeah. and the yeah. suffocate from the humidity <laughs> and all that shit fuck that yeah. so um let's open a beverage of our choice how, how about yes that? all right let's do that and i'm then, gonna turn this light on quick just that's right out of arm's reach here just oh no you're second. fine Yeah. Let's do this. Still a little cold. It's cooled off here today. Like, I brought a sweatshirt out, actually, because we had a fuck ton of rain the last few days, and it cooled off. But it, I did karate in the garage just before coming out here, so I'm still, I think, hot from that. Oh, but nice. it, I feel like our weather cycles are very similar, and so maybe you'll get this uh, cool off here very soon. I hope. I hope. All right. Um, well, I'm ready when you are. Oh, you got twist-offs. Either way. Oh, yeah, I got a can. <laughs> yeah. On three. And three. Uh, I'm drinking controlled amounts tonight because... Uh, me too. The last few I've uh, gotten a bit <laughs> slurry by the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to I, I don't want to be like that at the end anymore. Yeah, it's and so I'm, embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> it is so Tell embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's fun at the time, but it's not fun when you have to listen to yourself. No. And, uh, and well, we talked about it today, how like we really want to try to get back to like that eight ish to 11 ish time frame, Eastern time, that three hours is like really a sweet spot. I think 
Yeah, and, that and usually results in a long walk in that amount. Oh of time. yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, no, it's a and it's just a great episode. Yeah. It makes for great listening. It makes for great, uh, you know, when you go back and you listen to the episodes, yeah. and it's that long. I agree. Um, two and a half hours is a is usually what results from something like that. And yeah, that's a good. That's kind of a sweet spot for our podcast. I, ta- I did a I did a consultation recently, an unofficial, unpaid consultation for someone wanting to start a podcast. And um, we were talking about various considerations and various technologies that you might employ and stuff. And she was um, asking, I think, about how the duration. <laughs> I was almost asking about length. And I said, none of your business. But <laughs> <laughs> It's not the length. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> oh, that's not, I just screwed that up. It's not the size of the boat. It's the motion. That's of the right. Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I have heard a few times that like a 45 minute and her, she, her audience would be much older. Um, yeah. Anyway, but it was, uh, yeah, f- 45 minutes. And she's like, well, how long is your podcast? It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> our considerations are slightly there, different. There he is. I saw him. Like, hey, hey, buddy. He's all here. We've got the whole family in the room. Look at him. That's Look at that awesome. little guy. And the cat stayed there when he walked by her. That, yep. that wasn't passive aggressive at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, I I tell people. I'm, they're like, what's the name of your podcast? And I'm like, long walk, short drink. And they're like, oh, that's an interesting name. I was like, it's no, it's it's just it's literal. A, it's <laughs> a, a literal description. description of the show. Like, it's a really long conversation for very little payoff. Like, it's just <laughs> like that's right. I forgot to put. I want to put that like at the beginning, like a definition. Uh, I'll need. I'll add that yeah. soon. Um, <laughs> And we're always 40 minutes away from making our point. Always. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Funnily enough, we've been almost going for, we've been going for 37 minutes in a row. 37? (laughs) In a row? Um, So that means we should probably (laughs) work our way towards the the topics at hand. Not necessarily, but it's an opportunity to do that. I had, I don't know though. Like I want to make sure we talk about these movies. If we get to it, there's some fun King corner stuff, but that's a bit evergreen. Um, I got the, well, and, uh, I got the pinball machine that I went to with, I want everybody to know. I got the pinball machine that oh, I went yeah. to for working. It works. Yes. It's functional. It it's works. So it's great. awesome. It's amazing. It's really cool. Um, I did shoot that little video. I might shoot a different one, uh, just from a better angle. Uh, but maybe we can tweet that out. So that that's all. Yeah, you could put. I, I mean, unless you want to start your own. I mean, I know you got your own YouTube. Uh, oh yeah, plans yeah. in the works, but we could put it up on, on the LWSD one as well, or put it as just a Twitter video. I sometimes do that. Yeah, that's. I might do that. Um, I got a Palmer's pleasure if we get to yeah. them. I I got. Let's some not worry about the timing. Stuff. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about what we want. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's your What's your Palmer's pleasure? Well, I I stumbled across this uh, YouTube channel that. Um, is really good video essays uh, on really about film writing. Um, about film writing or about yeah, like it's called Just Right is the YouTube channel. Huh. Um, like uh, the words Just Right. Uh, he does a really awesome essay on the unrealized potential. Like the first one that's on here is like. Uh, the unrealized potential of Ready Player One, where he kind of makes a case. 
but the, he does this. The one that I fell in love with that made me fall in love with this channel is writing characters without character arcs. And it's one of those. He uses an example. Uh, everybody, he, he makes the argument that people feel like to tell a good story in a movie, your character should go through an arc, meaning they should, they should be different by the end of the movie than how they started. And uh, he makes, he pulls some examples of movies where the character doesn't have an arc. They're exactly the same from the first frame of the movie to the last frame of the movie. And he uses the main, um, and he said the reason that made me think about this is that um, Paddington 2 after like almost 300 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes still has a 100% positive. It, it's not Paddington bear Paddington, the movie, like the sequel, even <laughs> not the first one. Like huh. the first Paddington has a 98% rot rotten tomato reading and it's only got one negative review. And that's what pulls it down to the 98%. Or maybe it's more than one. But wow. like he cites one guy's negative review on there. And he's like, and the reason is because Paddington is like, it, he doesn't have an arc. He's He only sees the good in people the entire time. And he, Marty McFly is one of the, like he gives an example that Marty McFly has no character arc. Like he's the same from the first frame to the last frame. Uh, Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games trilogy doesn't have a character arc, um, you know the, and he and he explains why why they why he feels they don't have a character arc, um, but he, my aha moment when he's like writing this essay, I almost don't even want to spoil it, but he talks about how in a normal uh, storytelling, and I forget what the name is that he uses, but there's a character that. Um, maybe it's the catalyst, but they're like the one that like in, or they're, they're the inspiration. They're the ones that inspires the main character to change. Like they're the one that, uh, so, uh, so the, the example that he gives is inside out. Have you seen that? The Pixar movie inside uh, out? No, I want to, but I, okay. <laughs> but you can still um, give the example. I have it. So the example that. he gives is, is joy and in inside out feels that the most important emotion to have is obviously joy and it takes sadness to show her all emotions have value and a place and joy is like the catalyst for that change or i'm sorry sadness is the catalyst for that change that that arc in joy and he says the reason why these movies that have no character arcs are so good is because the main care instead of the catalyst being a secondary character, this, the movies are about the catalyst. The catalyst is the main character that's providing the story arc for all the supporting characters. Normally it's the other way around where like the main characters having the arc and all of the supporting characters, they don't have an arc because they're just facilitating the arc of the main character. Mm -hmm. But it's with these movies, it's the other way around. Like Paddington, it doesn't change because, and because of that, he elicits change in all of the supporting characters. And oh. so, 
and oh man it it's just this really well done uh, of course it's like really a really well done polished essay but it also like it was one of these like you know like again one of those things where it's like i always i can't articulate why a movie makes me feel the way it does or what it is about something that i like and so when i see this it puts the words it to those feelings that I have that I haven't been able to articulate. So, uh, just right. That's the name of the channel. Totally check it out. Uh, his, he's got great essays on there. Highly recommended. It sounds like your theory on the karate kid movies being about Mr. Miyagi could apply to that same thing. Cause Mr. Miyagi doesn't change, oh, yeah. but people's being exposed to him. And certainly with Daniel and then, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, if you think about it from that, he or he would be that catalyst, right? I guess teaching karate. Yeah. If I'm understanding it right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if Mr. Miyagi, if the, if you if you see it as the, I I mean, because I really stand by that that the Karate Kid trilogy, the original three movies, are really about Mr. Miyagi reconnecting with karate and and his and his morals and and stuff like that, and. Yeah, so Daniel would be a supporting character that he, you know, Miyagi doesn't change through the whole thing, but he he elicits that change in in the supporting character. So yeah, no, that that would work. Hmm. But totally uh check out Just Right. It, it's good stuff. Um and that's just cuz I'm gearing up. I want to start trying to crack this cannibalized <laughs> script. So, um yeah, that's my that's my Palmer's pleasure. That's a good one. I like it. I hadn't prepared uh, Dave's digs or anything, and uh, but we did see Hamilton, which I did really dig. <laughs> oh, really? Did? Was that awesome? Yeah, I and I, see it. I was super. We saw it in Minneapolis. Um, Minneapolis, nice. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I got on some kind of list, and I don't know that I've ever so successfully surprised the bride with a gift of this sort. But I I really lucked out in getting on the pre-sale thing and then getting through because I talked to a lot of people in the building where I work and they were not so lucky. And uh, got great seats. I want to say it was like row 13, but it didn't feel like it. And we were sort of center aisle. I love being in the aisle. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The aisle is is where it's at, man. That's awesome. But for a show like that, who cares where you're sitting? Just being in the room. (laughs) Yeah. Just being in the room to see that show. Man, that's awesome. It was very cool. And we've been to this theater a lot to see concerts or or sometimes theater. Um, So it was like a familiar area, which was cool. And um, But we were not... I knew the bride was interested and I knew they were hard tickets to get. So I would just tried and I was lucky and I got a surprise her. I was not fundamentally interested. Like I, I don't know how to say it like in a nice way. I just don't really like rap music. <laughs> I don't like the rhythms of it. I don't really like the attitude. It seems so often to be about stuff that doesn't speak to me in the same way that a lot of like pop country doesn't like, I, I just don't relate and it seems a little silly as I'm sure a lot of my, tasted music would seem to the people who for whom to whom that music speaks so i wasn't just like in just because you know um but i wasn't like against it i knew you know uh there was very talented people behind it and i knew it couldn't be a mistake that it was so wildly uh, successful and and much beloved but i so all that is to say i was not prepared for how on board i would become by like midway through the first act i was 
it was nice. like super emotional and um for me and a bride the bride too and uh educational like i didn't know <laughs> i mean i knew yeah. that alexander hamilton was shot by aaron burr in a duel somehow that was among the history tidbits that i took from my education in, in ribbon middle and high school <laughs> one of the very few things <laughs> i only know I that from the got milk commercial about oh aaron. what's that <laughs> i don't know that one. you remember the got milk campaign where they would show situations where like milk solved would solve having a glass of milk would have solved that situation usually <laughs> yeah. right i don't remember that but it sounds funny um and there is a guy it, it's this guy who's like it does all these quick shots i i have to start keep talking about hamilton let me try to find this. yeah I, I, i'd be curious to see that um yeah. so it's uh you know we're seeing a tour a travel a touring cast and that i think it was like the second night of the 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 show when it opened in in uh in minneapolis so it's it's traveling around so it's not like Lin manuel miranda uh and the the that the cast that originated it but um the bride and i had someone even got me and her family got me the hamilton soundtrack a couple of years ago for christmas and i hadn't listened to it and uh so and neither had she and there were a lot of people saying like oh you must be you must know every word or whatever. I don't know why, but we were like, no, <laughs> we haven't, we haven't heard it. So we experienced it fresh there, but um, she has been obsessed with it. this. Was last this was not quite a week ago, last Thursday. She's been listening to it constantly. There's this one song that's been stuck in my head perpetually. Even like I couldn't get our dog has been waking up at like the wee hour, like at four in the morning, and. Uh, and then we have to feed her and put go back to sleep. And I couldn't get back to sleep. And part of the reason why was this one song is in my head. Uh, it's the um, I'm not sure I'm getting the title right, but it uh, Aaron Burr sings it, and it's um, something about waiting for it. Wait for it. Wait for yes. it. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you know the the show? I know. I know the soundtrack. I know the music. I've listened to the soundtrack up, down, and sideways. It's it's really fun to. So I get, I've gotten into trouble with, with this when I worked at my old job, but I would like start singing it at my desk and forget that I had headphones in and that I was in a <laughs> cubicle village with people all around me. And somebody said to my boss that I had been singing and it was getting a little distracting, but that was one of the things that I was singing along to. You never told me about that. That's I know. So great. <laughs> yeah, that was self-preservation. It was a very, it, she's like, it's not a big deal, but somebody, somebody mentioned that that they heard you singing and i was like ah oh okay sorry so I, I that was a while ago i don't work yeah. there anymore it's yeah. fine i don't work there anymore no, it's okay. but that was one of the one of the things that i was singing along to because it's that one it's song just so good well all of the songs but Wait, i know that you, song as do you know you which one that, you would have been getting busted for like you're like oh it must have been this oh, on this no. jam no i mean it could <laughs> have been it could have been any number of things that i was singing along to it may or may not have been the hamilton soundtrack depending on the day that's could have so been great. Could have been Adele. Could have been just you know Pandora, whatever. Choose your adventure kind of music, whatever, whatever. But That's the so that cool. that soundtrack, that music, that story. Having never seen the show, I felt like the soundtrack painted a very clear picture of what was going on to the point where I I don't know that obviously I would still love to see Hamilton if it ever if I ever had the opportunity. But I feel like I know the basic. <laughs> gist of it oh Palmer, i guarantee on, you'd love it palmer like it's amazing yeah he would never <laughs> it's a musical it's a musical I know, but it would make him so uncomfortable <laughs> there's no i have no hope 
And that I he figured, would ever surprise me it. with tickets I figured to out Hamilton, what I, why musicals make me feel uncomfortable. It's not the person singing. I feel uncomfortable for the rest of the schmucks that have to stand around and act like this is normal behavior. <laughs> That's who I feel bad for. Well, this is a little different in that it it's a musical that there is no talking. So so by by being familiar with the soundtrack album, you are familiar with the whole show minus the visual element. Um it's all there. And so people aren't just talking and then suddenly they break into a song. Somehow it's all woven together. It's masterful. Like when I left, I was just, my jaw, I, I just, I couldn't believe that like a dude came up with this. <laughs> it's just like a yeah. dude came. And part of what amazes me about musicals in general, and I'm not in, I like musicals in theater, but not a lot. <laughs> and I definitely don't yeah. like them in movies. But um, what always amazes me about the kind of, the way that a lot of it works is like they'll come up with these motifs and stuff. And, and so many times in musicals, they will overlap. P- different people will be singing kind of their refrain. And the way that those things are woven together is often very, it's always impressive to me and very um, satisfying and us- usually like heightens the emotion of the situation. But um, yeah, I don't, this, it, it lived up to any and all hype despite, and it's not like I sat down with crossed arms, but like yeah. I was, I had That's an open mind, be. but I didn't think. I just wasn't expecting to be that into it, and I was really yeah. into it. <laughs> so, awesome. So yeah, um, if you if you've been curious but haven't checked it out in what forms you can, I definitely recommend that if you can catch the tour. I, I mean, if, it, if there was some like if the like divine intervention that we were able to somehow see it, of course I would see it. It, it just it has too much, way too much like hype. I I loved. Now, like I thoroughly enjoyed all like Lin Manuel Miranda's like Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel Miranda. Easy for you to say. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I loved listening to him talk because like people were like, "Well, what what inspired you to write a musical about Alexander Hamilton?" And like he would get defensive. He's like, he was an immigrant. Like he. He was an immigrant, just like like it's the and, American story. It, it, it's the American story, and like he was from Puerto Rico, right? Or, Alexander Hamilton. No, he was from some island. When he originally, isn't that where his folk were? Like Lin Manuel Miranda is from Puerto Rico. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, like, it, it just was super inspired. Like, I got inspired to see it just based on how. I mean, it like you said. What is what is it you always say? Like, interest is oh, in, interesting, in, right? Yeah, interested is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that that's totally. If you watch any of those, when Hamilton is at its peak, like the Stephen Colbert interview with him, or um, trying to think of a couple other. He good performed ones. at the White House uh, yeah. long before when he was writing Hamilton, and he's yeah. performed at the White House for. Um, kids what's the other one that he did like the uh the oh, heights, the heights yeah. the height before, before Hamilton. yeah he went to the white house to perform something from the heights and asked president obama and and michelle obama if he could perform he's like i want to perform something that i'm working on for my next musical and they're like yeah what's it about and he's like alexander hamilton and they're like <laughs> uh what but he's so excited and jazzed about it that you like yeah, you're interested in it. You're excited because he's so excited. And, yeah, and yeah. So I, I would definitely listen. If more people who made musicals came out and were that passionate about like he was, but he was passionate about the music. He was passionate about the content. He was passionate. Like 
100% all passion, I would probably be a little more inclined to see them, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, but I did find the Got Milk commercial. Oh, yeah. Alexander let's check Hamilton. that out. Is it? Oh, uh, here we go. All right. I'm clicking on it. I remember that actor. In the Geico commercials now. No wood dancing being one of my all time favorites. And now let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a tough one. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? All right, let's the bullet. And see who's out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, for $10,000, who shot. Excuse me? I'm afraid your time is almost up. I'm sorry. Maybe next time. Aaron Boone. Oh, poor guy. If only it had some milk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was not lying about the milk saves that, like, it, they made situations where milk would save the day. Would have saved the day. Yeah, I don't remember that, but that is fun. That's yeah, that's, that's as really good funny. as any uh, cap off to the Hamilton. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, and it's. I mean, I love how that shot. You see, it, like if, for anybody that's if you're listening and you don't see this, it's he is a museum curator on his lunch break in an Alexander Hamilton exhibit. Like there's a portrait of Alexander Hamilton, and Alexander Hamilton's um, clothes are there, and he, he is obviously an expert in Alexander Hamilton, and he's also making a peanut butter sandwich. No jelly? What a savage. <laughs> That's why his mouth gets so dry, perhaps. Yeah. With a butter knife, you have to watch that commercial again and look at the butter knife. It's like three feet long, and the jar of peanut butter is massive. Like This is really, really great advertising because it's like they're just accentuating all this stuff. And he's like makes this big, thick, beautiful peanut butter sandwich and then proceeds to shove half of it in his mouth just as they ask the ten thousand dollar question who shot alexander <laughs> hamilton and that's where he he's like it's his moment like it's the moment he has been living for and he can't get it because, <laughs> yeah uh, i'm peanut well, no milk. No milk. One, I mean, one of the main things that I think, and it may come back in our uh, Black Klansman uh, discussion, but one of the most interesting things to me about it, or most moving things, there's so many, but the the idea of like, we have no control, I can't, I, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's something to do about whether or not your story gets told or by whom your story gets told by uh, is, has a big effect on like what, what is known of you. Uh, yes. And people didn't really know about Alexander Hamilton prior to this in the book that it was based on. And he, he created a lot of amazing shit, <laughs> like our financial yeah. system and all kinds there of stuff. There was consideration to take him off of, he's on the 20 or the, the 10? 10. Yeah, I, was, I just heard He's on the it. 10 and they were going to take him off. Until... They were like close to taking him off and had like come to that, not decision all the way, but they were like, yeah, we're probably going to pull him off and put somebody else on. And then Hamilton went wild and they're like oh maybe maybe we should keep him and so like that's the impact that one of the one of the impacts one of the i feel like a smaller impact that 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 movie that musical had was you know showing people the impact that this man in our history had on our country and 
yeah. So yeah, yeah. honors him in that in that way. So yeah. yeah. And Aaron yeah. Aaron Burr too. Like it it makes him out to be or it reveals him to be much more than just the guy who shot Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And he yep. really has like kind of the <laughs> one of the few other musicals I'm semi familiar with is Jesus Christ Superstar. And he's kind of got the Judas role, and that's like the great role in that in that show. And actually, you know, Hamilton doesn't change either <laughs> in terms of characters who don't have an arc. Hamilton yeah. always stays the same. He's just like a hundred percent full throttle. Like he's like I'm just like my country. What is the I'm, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's just how he like stays. My country, I'm young, scrappy, yeah. and hungry. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> not throwing away you're my shot. Copy- you're away you're my gonna shot. get a copyright claim on this video. Stop saying that's it. true. Yeah, it's too close. <laughs> it's too close. <laughs> Took us three uh, times to get the right word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's you can only watch Cramps' episode. I'm pretty sure in Uzbekistan right now. Like, <laughs> oh, the Palmer's picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time when we post those in the future, I'll uh, just cut out the movie clips or something, or maybe post them yeah. to Vimeo or something. That is a drag. You never know what it's going to upset YouTube. But our yeah. our account is in very good standing. So who who knows? Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, how are you feeling? You got how's your bladder feeling? You got a piss? Yeah. Um. What uh. What do I do? Like a super quick one, two, three, four. Uh. Shit. The bride says. Oh yeah. No, let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. But I could always. I, I mean, I don't have to piss. I was gonna segue to. Um. I was. Gonna, if you did have to piss, I was gonna use that as the segue to quiet uh, to start talking about the movies. Yeah. So let's do this because I, I. I. Um. I have. Ju- she just popped off with one today, and there's some semi-appropriate, I'm, and I like I the am, idea. Awesome. I'm down. Yeah. Um. Me too. Here in. You know, I'm sure when we get Ash on, we get some extra, you know, estrogen <laughs> from our listenerships as well. <laughs> like people tune yeah. in because they want to hear f- female voices and female perspectives. So offering one of those <laughs> uh, for my wonderful wife. Um, let's see. I captured them as pictures. So, I wonder if you modulated her voice, if she like if she never came on camera and you modulated her voice, if she'd be willing to come on. Ooh. Like like hard Harry <laughs> like happy Harry hard yeah, on <laughs> yeah, yeah happy Harry hard on like that if I pitched like, to her like you, that she might be into it that was one of her favorite movies yeah <laughs> Is, like we're just we're like you know she sounds like one of those undercover like you know we had to reveal like like hide their identity before they would agree to this interview <laughs> well the way I was talking it was just like I need to go in there and I need to go do that that's just what he's talking. You know, it's so like, funny because the voice I have for her is very is the opposite. It's like super high pitched. <laughs> <laughs> we can modulate it that way too. That'd be, that'd be fine. I come uh, back and forth. I'm I'm I was like this close to doing it, but I was like that's like one of the few pieces of <laughs> our relationship I'm not airing. So anyway, yeah, don't do it. Don't do unless it. Unless it's don't. not super legible. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I I would I would do it because I think she'd be okay with it. But who knows. Um, okay, so this is from. Uh, we'll do these, and then um, I'll go for a quick, quick break, and we can jump into the the films. Um, so, from August eleventh, eleventh. <laughs> I like that eleventh. <laughs> from August eleventh, two thousand eighteen, regarding our neighbors, I don't want to be their friends. They're racist. When they were just sexist and hated my husband, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They hate me. They're they are totally sexist and think I and they mo- anyway. But but yeah, the well, I'll just leave it at that. So and then this is um August thirteenth of this year as Why well. Why do they hate you so much? Well, they they 
it's it's it is it's based around sexist ideas that because she does the yard work and stuff and in their mind that's something i should be doing um oh. they and they feel the need to like come and help her with stuff and she's like anyway they they do they do the do not like me <laughs> and I then i i screamed at the guy across life. the street as well who's the the guy our so the neighbor that i'm talking about that mows his lawn incessantly i'm mean, seriously we're talking about six hours of yard work most days constant noise pollution yeah absolutely insane person and then she is befriended uh the bride is sort of befriended his wife who seems to hate him as well but also hates everyone she hates everyone (laughs) they hate everyone and yeah so the bride just sort of uses her social skills to get the dirt and know what's what (laughs) but you know they revealed they said some um pretty unfortunate things now she's like so that tweet she's like fuck these people (laughs) But she still yeah. like gets the dirt, <laughs> and so <laughs> so this is similar from August thirteenth on being the only progressive surrounded by a cul-de-sac of Trump supporters. She says, "Let us be an island of righteousness in a sea of fuckery." Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I agree with her. I'll yeah, we that. are like the dude catty corner yeah, to us. I said it. An island yep. of righteousness in a sea of fuckery. <laughs> Yeah, I like watching Palmer's face. It's processing that. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys yeah. surrounded by these sorts of folks as well? They crop up in the weirdest of places for me. Like, like, and they are the weirdest of people. Um, which I mean, I guess I shouldn't profile or make assumptions or what whatever you want to say, but like. I just keep getting blindsided by people who agree with our Agent president's Orn. agenda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've picked no. that up from Spike Lee today, listening to interviews with him. He won't say his name. And I was like, you know, I used to not say his name. And I think all that prick wants is for people to say his name. So I like yeah. the idea of not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg doesn't say his name either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read a book. I'm sorry to derail. I don't mean to derail you. No, no, to come back around to. But I I read a book on entrepreneurship written by the guy that started this company, CD Baby, um, that allowed independent musicians in the late '90s to be able to sell their music online. And it's still the he doesn't own it anymore, Derek Sivers. But it's still the platform I use to get my music out across all the platforms you can. But uh, so he wrote this book and he was in one in about the various ways, just various sort of business stuff that he observed, but from very practical points of view, um, it's real digestible stuff. And this was years before the situation we're in now. And he was like, you have to decide what success means to you. And as, as an example, he used uh, agent orange <laughs> um, as the, as someone who obviously placed an extreme extreme value on having his name be a part of things. Yeah. He's like, if yeah. you look at all the building and he wasn't saying it pejoratively at all. He was just like, this is obviously what, what means the most to this guy is sort of having his name on these buildings and stuff like that. So it means something to him. So, yeah. so I like that yeah. idea of taking what we can. <laughs> from yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're surrounded like, and it's not, it's not, it doesn't surprise us it's obvious through like political signs and stuff i mean so there was a guy that moved in across the street when this elderly woman moved out uh catty corner kitty cornered i guess they say here in minnesota <laughs> but he has a banner in his garage huge banner that takes up like 
most of the wall, one of those um, yeah. things with that prick's name on it. And he'll have like, I think he's a truck driver, maybe ex-military or something, and now he's a truck driver. And so he'll have like these sort of big parties in his garage. And it's just all these like white people gathered under that like fucked up flag, you know? And it's it's literally like a clan. I mean, in my mind, if you support that guy, might as well be a clan rally. Like he is yeah. anyway. So we'll get there. <laughs> but it's no yeah, secret yeah. what our uh, uh, what our neighbors um, support. And so it's frustrating. So switching gears a little. Agreed. She says, uh, today, just this afternoon, <laughs> she goes, I hate poodles. <laughs> we were walking in the prairie where we walk our dogs and they're a po- we passed the poodle. <laughs> she goes, I hate poodles. They just look bitchy. They're the canine equivalent of a Cardassian. And last but not least. I was like, that seems about right. But um, so then, then this one is just sort of a general, uh, general one that on August 26th on an unex- we had uh, a rainy day uh, out here, and I said maybe this is the universe's way of telling you mowing the lawn and running on the same day is too much. To which he says, "Fuck off, universe! Oh, don't tell me anything." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much sums her up. <laughs> Very good. So there you go. That's all. That's all. That's all I got. That's all, that's shit. The bride says, September fifth, twenty eighteen. Very good. Wrong. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Wrong bet. I'm on fifty right now. Oh uh, yeah. And God, is it good? There's some. I, I, I love us. I just love us. <laughs> We are so awesome. I have a lot of fun, like put by the putting them together. And one of my favorite things is picking like the the break music. So there's some fun ones of those coming up, awesome. particularly when you get to Cannibal and Cannibalized. Oh, when you hear awesome. it, you be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But awesome. Speaking of breaks, yeah, you need to pee. I could I could pee quick. Yeah, uh, unless um, unless you want to get into it, we could. I could probably go get through one movie before I do it. All right. Yeah. Well, let's. I, you want you want to start with Quiet Place? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I let me say I I have to give Double D credit here because before I ever considered watching A Quiet Place, you are the one who um who gave me the synopsis and kind of broke it down for me start to finish, Ooh. and you did. Oh. Um. You said Double D. Because you told me that that was Double D's theory. Oh yeah, how yeah, yeah. To present yeah. a scary movie like that. When he see like Double D told me that if if he sees that his his son gets anxious when they're watching movies, and so if he sees his son getting too anxious, he will just spoil it for him. Just tell him what's going to happen, and then it let that lets his son calm. Like, like, and it's really just one of those things, you know. Kids are just susceptible to. Um, they they haven't seen a million movies, so they don't know the good guy's always going to win. Um, so like when it's building that tension on, oh, is he going to pull it off? Uh, you really like they really don't know, and so he'll just spoil it and be like, he's gonna, this is all going to be okay, like this, you know. And then that lets his son enjoy the the rest of the movie. And so, so a tactic that works on a seven-year-old also works on me. <laughs> well, but same, no. same here on, on many cases. <laughs> so to be fair, though, um, I 
that I that what the intent of that wasn't to get you to watch a quiet mm-hmm. place. I typically will will if I I I don't push. No, you don't. To to get her to see something, right? Um so I'll I'll, I'll and I'll usually say you're never going to watch this, right? Or you're never going to read this. Oh right? yeah, yeah, I've heard that on 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 the show and, before. And, uh, <laughs> and she'll be like, no, there's no chance I'm ever going to do it. And I'm being like, good. Cause I just need to like, just, I just need to process this and talk it out. Yeah. So I'm going to just spoil the shit out of it. And that's really, there was, I, I saw a quiet place by myself. I saw all the hype of it leading up. I, I saw it. I went and saw it by myself. I, and it was impactful and I just it went, stuck with you and it stuck with me. And I had to like, and I, that was one of those I had to do that with because it's so amazing from uh, just from all aspects. It's the cast is on point. It's other than John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, like they're the closest things to a listers that are in the movie and everybody else is just like, they're just, but the kids are perfect. And I love the story about how he fought to get the the deaf actress in because they didn't want to use her. They wanted to use a conventional act like like an established actress to play the daughter. And he fought for the deaf actress. And I love the story about Emily Blunt, where she like read the script and said, I need the you need to fire whoever you cast to be your wife because I want to be in this movie with you. And I think that was so smart because. It just gave them such good chemistry, and it's just this huge. It just, I love scary movies. I grew up on scary movies, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street were my bread and butter when I was a kid. I, I, I was, you know, I could give an like I said how I could give like a. I could tell you when the Puppet Master series jumped the shark when I was, you know, eleven. You <laughs> yeah. know, I'm still interested to to check that out at some point. Yeah. And so uh so they mean something to me and it this was one of those scary movies that just did so much for the genre that hadn't been done in a long time if ever before. And so it really hit me hard just as a movie. Um uh, like I was just, I remember when I saw it in the theater, I was more blown away at what he was able to do with sound than being blown away by being scared. I, I don't, I think I was just so taken aback with how much the movie sucked me in that I didn't get a chance to even really get scared. It just like, it was just so good and smart and emotional and fuck I could cry right now just thinking about like some of the scenes I agree Uh, I going into it I knew it was going to be a scary movie and I was prepared for a scary movie and it was scary there were parts of it that were certainly scary but again I think given that I knew what was going to be happening through almost the whole thing because you did a really good job of saying and then this happens and then that happens and then so I understood the story arc and like the way that things were going to play out but it was all the little nuances the silence being such a huge part of it that makes me now want to watch it again because the first time I watched it I watched it with the lens of this is a scary movie 
and it really the the secondary not even secondary it became a primary goal and perspective on the film unfolded while we were watching it because it's a story about parenthood it's a story about the love that a parent has for their child and how a parent will do anything to protect their child and when you and and the story of loss and how a family processes loss and how that's how I take it. The the I feel like both are tied together because you you see the loss that this family goes through and you see it processed through each of the different lenses of the different family members. And you're right. Like all of those characters have such depth and such grace. And I said, and the even death that, is like, the thing they can't talk about. They literally in this movie can't talk about their loss because they can't yeah. talk. They can't talk. Right. Yeah. And, and so like. And but you realize how heavy that loss is on each of them and how each of them is processing it in such a different way and carrying it in a different way. And each of them blames themselves and each of them have these like, I don't want to say an that animosity is not the right word, but each of them are carrying this weight with them because they all know how, how, how much of a struggle it it was to go through that and to try and move past it yeah. and then all while all that family shit's going on and all that like dynamic between the characters is happening you've got this freaking monster who like <laughs> keeps coming out and killing people yeah, and like at the slightest noise you know yeah uh, it's it, it we it was a movie that we finished and i was like i'm gonna be thinking about this movie for a long long time and i want to go watch it again yeah Oh, nice. I, I love, I, I because love there that. are so many things that I missed the first time, and he brought up one of them that I was like, I didn't even notice that. There are so many little things that I'm, I'm positive that I did Which not one? pick up on the potato chip thing in the groceries in the aisle. Oh yeah, in the grocery yeah. store. At the, in the very I, I have this idea that you know how we sometimes describe movies and stuff. What if we just watch the trailers because we're talking two movies rather than describe oh, yeah. anything? Yeah. Just watch the trailer and then have that be our description. Sure. And I then like uh, it's similar the when we get to Black Klansman, so then we don't have to explain stuff. Let me um, let me bring it up. Hang on. I I put it in the chat there. I did realize that I will be more attentive and happy if I do relieve myself. <laughs> so okay. Do, do you want to go piss uh, and then we'll watch the trailer? When you yeah, I think I would like to see the trailer just because it'll help. I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'll be super fast. Go yeah, for it. go piss and then go we'll... It. Do you have to pee, babe? Go ahead if you have to pee. Probably. Yeah. I'll get this set up. Hamilton doesn't hesitate. He exhibits no restraint. Takes and he takes and he takes and he keeps winning anyway. Changes the game, plays and erases the stakes And if there's a reason he seems to thrive And so few survive, then goddammit I'm willing to wait for it I'm willing to wait for it Life doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints It takes and it takes and it takes And we give it anyway We rise and we fall and we fall And we fall And if there's a reason I'm still alive And so many have died Then I'm willing to All right, so we're back. Yeah. All right, back. let's uh, let's go with the. Um, we're just gonna watch the. Uh, this is the trailer for A Quiet Place. Total devastation. Doesn't look so good in this movie. 
those who have survived. <laughs> yeah, for our podcast listeners. And like the steps painted on the boards so they know where it doesn't creak. And the trail of sand. I guess it's appropriate that the trailer is pretty much like no dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And the fucking spaceship. taking care of their kids. The the tension that is built at that moment with the with the fireworks and the delivery and the timing too of all yeah, of that. Yeah, by like the way, the way spoiling the shit out of a quiet place. Yeah, uh, yeah, I realized too that while that helped jog my memory, didn't <laughs> describe anything. But but I think you know the general gist is like they can't make noise or they'll be killed by yeah. these aliens. They're at the beginning of the movie. One of the family's two kids is killed by Three an kids. alien. Three. So, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Sorry, it's been a minute. Sorry, because the whole family had traveled into town because the one is sick. That's how it starts, and that's. Again, I love I and I love how this movie gives all the exposition for the situation they're in through the newspaper clippings. Like as they're leaving the store, the pharmacy that they're in, there's like a stack of newspapers and the front page says it's noise, meaning that's what sets them off, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh they cracked it. Yeah, and they and they had figured well, that out at that point, and and the trailer had like news reports, but we didn't hear news reports in the movie. No, right? uh, no. What she watches on the TV screen is is all surveillance. Like there isn't any yeah. of those news clippings. I think they just like added those news into the trailer. News clips from television, yeah. because yeah. in the movie itself, you just see those screen those television screens. Those are just like what closed circuit like monitors and surveillance cameras that that are set up around the property. Yep. Because he, yeah, he yeah. they they and they set that up too in that opening shot. There's there's no there is hardly even any sign language because that's how this family was able to survive because they all knew sign language because one of the, the one of the kids are deaf. And so they are they were able to still communicate uh without making noises. I I, I like to think that's one of the things that yeah. contributed to them surviving on top of John point. Krasinski being. The oh yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, that's one of those things about these kind of stories. It's like, there's all these families that are, or whatever, there's all these people going through the same thing. Right. But it's interesting to follow this family because they've done well because of this unique yeah. uh, situation where they are able to communicate without sound. So, um, yeah. in that opening shot though, gives all the exposition really that you, you get that shot and the shot when he's down in the basement and you see 
the the limited amount of research that he's been able to do in that kind of like war room that he has, like surveillance room, basically. That's like a ham radio electronic lab slash surveillance room for his property. But in that opening scene too, when he's showing the components that he got, one of the things he pulls out of his bag, that's just kind of is a surveillance camera. So he was pilfering those from around to put up on his property. Yeah. yeah. Um, Emily Blunt's character is a doctor. They don't say that explicitly, but they do when I was reading the, um, the Wikipedia page about it. So you see her like, like putting the stethoscope on her belly to like hear her unborn uh-huh. child's heartbeat. And it's because she's a doctor and that's why they're going to the, to the uh-huh. pharmacy and she knows which, and she bottles, knows which medicine to which look at, to look for and find for her son. Wow. And that's she's a doctor. And he, I forget what it says. He is. If I find it, I'll let you know. Well, and I mean, um, and that makes sense. Paper salesman. That makes sense. Too. <laughs> an John he's Krasinski's an engineer. And that makes sense. So uh, they have this perfect storm. It sounds like it's perfect storm of events. And maybe, well, and maybe that's why they had the, the courage. One thing that Ash pointed out when they were, when, when we were watching it was it could be argued that it was immensely irresponsible of them to get pregnant. Uh, Cause oh, yeah. Emily yeah. Blunt is not pregnant at the start of the movie. It's like day 84 of this it's never really said if it's an invasion or if there are mutants or if there. Are, did you find that out in any of your research? It's um like a uh, over three months in 2020, most of Earth's humans and animal populations have been wiped out by sightless creatures of unknown origin. There you go. So we don't know where they come from. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, so irresponsible of them to get. Oh yeah. Because- so, but that that kind of takes away that because if she was a doctor and he's an engineer, that's how they were able to come up with Cause they, you, you find out that they have this plan cause it goes from like day 84 to day, like 400 and something like where it's been over a year now that they have been surviving and she is about to burst pregnant and they have, a a compound essentially all established and they're in the process of soundproofing a room in their barn for, because you, you're, they're going to have a screaming machine in a world that you're not allowed to make noise basically. (laughs) Uh, and that, that one it's, it's funny when you watch trailers cause it's like, you only see the creatures up until the ending. You only see the creatures in flashes and only like four flashes. Mm-hmm. And you saw two of them in the trailer. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then. And that's a complaint of scary movies is that most of the time they show you the scariest parts in the trailer. So the movie itself doesn't end up being that scary. Yeah. And they scary. depend on jump scares, which this movie does. It, it, it you, did have a couple jump scares. And I'm and very it uses sound for that, so. <laughs> <laughs> When the sound comes. Yeah. When the sound yeah. comes, it makes you jump because the whole rest of the movie is so freaking quiet. Yeah, I remember being in the theater and like I didn't want to eat my popcorn because it made noise. You know, like it it just right. Yeah, it was the the quietest, like most tense theater experience I've ever had. Yeah, and uh, man, it just is. It's so good. It's just so good. Yeah. But oh, and the trailer also like it gave it gives the biggest one of the biggest conversations that happen where she's just like 
who, you know, when she says, who are we, if we can't protect them, that's, that's the gist yeah. of the movie right there, you know, um, is the length that a parent will go to, to protect their yeah. child. Yep. Yeah. Bottom line. I have a question as someone who hasn't seen it since it came out. Um, is she pregnant in the opening scenes where, where they still have the, no. so she gets pregnant after that. So I wonder if they, they kind of keep that in the, I don't know, because maybe it'll bring new life literally and some yeah. hope into having lost that other child. That's how I what interpreted I, it. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, or is it this twisted way to replace the child that they lost? Cause they, they lost their youngest child. Yeah. In the, in the opening scenes. That's really what sets it up. Well, I mean, I don't, and I, I would argue that it's not motivated by any intention to replace anything because you can see them mourning like, well, to fill a void. I meant like, I, yeah. uh, I cause there's that scene when she's by herself, she, they still have uh, the rest of their house is still set up, but she goes into that child's nursery yeah. and weeps. And, and that's how you know that all of them. And John Krasinski has that box of pictures and memories from his son like that he and keeps. the daughter still has the spaceship mm -hmm. and the other son is kind of like the mediator to try to keep the peace between everybody and uh that you know you really realize that all of them are carrying the guilt and responsibility of that that child's death they've internalized it and blamed themselves and because they physically like literally cannot talk about it that's where they've all spiraled to. That's what ma really makes me think that I, I, I know that the main idea is that it's about parents taking care of their yeah. kids. Um, but I, I really think it's a me I see it as a metaphor for the loss of a child yeah. and what a family goes through when they lose a child, because the monster that you can't talk, you can't talk about is there. And it, yeah. it, it's the death of that child. And it's the, it's they have to live every day being reminded because they have to live with that monster as well as live with the loss, you know, and and uh, it's it's awesome to me thinking more about it. The like the the depth and breadth of the story, given the limited resources that they had. And by limited resources, I mean, like they don't have a ton of exposition to talk about what's going on and to be able to discuss what's happening. They don't have a lot of different characters. You know, the characters are really the family, that yep. couple in the middle of the woods that ends up dying. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And the fires. It's implied the that, fires. There's other, that there are other survivors. Which every to night, me is he like. He lights a fire on the silo to see the other. Yeah. There's like four other fires that light up at the same time that represent other survivors. And I read after to. we watched it that there is like a sequel in the works. And now remembering, not now, but I mean, remembering that there were those other fires. I'm like, well, that that's that's got to yeah. be a sequel waiting to happen. You know, they can explore other characters and other people who are also living through this post-apocalyptic kind of existence. Yeah. Um, um one other aspect that I, I found really interesting when I was reading it is that originally John Krasinski was not going to caption um, the, the, the dialogue, the sign language between the family members. He originally was just going to like let it be interpreted as it was and only caption the daughter who was deaf. And that actress 
again, brilliant, 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 so talented. She was one of the kind of advisors for the sign language aspect of the movie and encouraged them to caption all of it. And so they ended up captioning all of it. But she is the reason when you... I'm so if glad you, they did that. If you, Yeah, me too. Because it, it's it totally... It, it's it's so much better of an explanation of what's happening and you don't have to guess and f- try and figure it out. But one thing that the daughter did was as she was helping the rest of the cast kind of learn sign language, you can see it that the way that they sign is different based on the character, based on their motivation, based on the the whole who they are as a character in the movie. Like the teenage daughter is frustrated with her dad and so her sign language is more quick and and shortcut and like she cuts off words and cuts off sentences emily blunt's character when she's talking to her son and she's going through the like this is why you have to take care of me when i'm old and she's like long and dramatic and like really strings out her sign language and makes it this like very eloquent and like verbose kind of communication john krasinski's character is like short and to the point because he doesn't have time to screw around. He's trying to protect his family and needs to get people where they need to go. And like, it's all business, but like those nuances and those differences, even in the way that they're signing to each other shows the level of communication that this family was able to form given such limited resources in that, they couldn't communicate. So like the limited way that they can communicate, you still see their characters unfolding and developing through the way that they interact with one another. Yeah, no. And and that's so true. Uh, And I think of that, that scene when uh, he's trying to give her like, you don't know how many different versions of these, her hearing aids. She has um, bone hearing aids, like the ones that cochlear. Yeah. They like, Tran- oh, cochlear implants. Yeah, they, I made videos about those. Yeah, they like genitally <laughs> deaf. That's what yeah, it says. Yeah, so is. like she can hear, she just doesn't have the hairs in her ears that allow her to hear. So if you can just translate those vibrations some other way, your ears will be able to hear them, right? And her hearing aids are broken or they're not as effective. And so that's a, one of the uh one of the the like plot points of the movie is he's constantly redoing her hearing aids to try to get them to work for her. And uh, you don't know how many versions he's come up with, but he gives her another one. And she's like that, you know, she's signing. It's not going to work. And he tries to just push her hand away and put them in her ears. And she's like, just stop. And like the way she signs that is like a kid, like a a teenager teenager yelling at their parents. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's great. Um, that's one of those things that's so beautiful. I'm remembering now too is like that that metaphor for the grief. I, I love that what you said about the the monster being like a physical manifestation of that. And that's yeah. the best kind of science fiction. The kind of science because like again, I'm not a fan of rap music as rap music. Like I'll I'll listen to 80s music just because it's 80s music. Right. Just because I don't care what it is, it probably make me kind of happy. Yeah. <laughs> but like not all rap music is gonna make me kind of happy. Hamilton did because it's infused with it's like that's the vehicle through this for this passionate story and same thing here it's like the best kind of science fiction for me or the only kind of science fiction that I can really get on board with is when it's using it's when it's telling us it's is as when the science fiction element of it heightens the story that is being told so so like like you're saying the this is a it's a big metaphor for the fact that these people can't talk about they literally can't talk about the trauma that they all experience and how it's affecting them all. So one of the ways that that manifests is like the deaf 
uh, child thinks that uh, doesn't she think like that think her father feels it's her fault yes. or something thinks that they and, hate and her she doesn't even herself. get to tell him that the brother tells the dad like when they're at the waterfall and he's like yeah oh another beautiful scene where yep. he takes him out to the waterfall to experience and you can see the terror that to, that other brother yeah. has the terror that he has about making any noises and being in situations where he's going to have to make noises yeah. because his the way he was affected by his younger brother's death is that it is like paralyzingly fearful to do anything or go anywhere or have any experiences because he is so panicked that something's going to happen to somebody else in his family the way that happened to his little brother. Yeah. But like him and so, so then John Krasinski to, to help him co like get over this is it, he's yeah. kind of forcing him to learn how to fish, to forage. Right. And really you find out once they get there, it's to realize that, as long as there's a louder noise that's going to cover for you, it's okay to make noise in this world that you're not allowed to make noise. And so at first they're just next to a river and they can actually talk, like just have a normal conversation. And then he takes him to a waterfall. And this is where the sound editor better get a fucking Oscar for this movie. Like it's, it's just, you have spent up to this point, and this is the other thing too. Th this movie, there's not one frame wasted. It's only like 87 minutes long. It's a short movie. It's not very long at all. I actually, I should not speculate. I have 90 the, minutes. It's 90 minutes. It's 90 minutes. So it, they don't make hour and a half long movies anymore. They're all like two hours plus. So I remember the second time through realizing, like, man, this is so short. And so but it's perfect. It's just, there's not a wasted frame, but the sound editor deserves an Oscar because you've spent 40 minutes up to this point with no, nothing louder than that first scene when the spaceship goes off and it does this. It's one of the only like jump cuts in the movie where they go from the river to the waterfall. And it's like, it is, flooding you with sound in the theater yeah it's, like it, yeah it's like so so you're there in the waterfall with the father and the son and they this is where they're in a safe space that they can finally talk and can finally and that's when the son says like do you blame her and john krasinski looks hurt like he looks physically hurt he looks emotionally hurt mm -hmm. like how could you think that no i don't blame her and he like again you can't talk and this son's response is you should tell her how can he tell uh, her like because they can't talk that. you know like yeah. uh shit yeah it is it's really emotional yeah like, really like somehow even though they don't say things and we're talking on a podcast where we say everything for like four hours yeah it's so uh it's so unbelievable how much they they communicate uh with the, those silences but yeah so then there's ultimately well a i gotta say it has to be under that waterfall that the kid was conceived because that's another thing oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even think of that that's a great insight that's, oh yeah that's gotta I be mean, true <laughs> Totally practical be. business. Yeah. I, mean, I would get taken out for just burping or farting for sure. And, <laughs> or just my belly, just like, you know, like one, any of those things. Uh, 
in like in, in traditional. So this is the one I guess, and it's a scary movie that. So you got to take everything with a grain of salt. The one thing that was just a little hard for me to suspend disbelief on is like this. It all falls apart in this at the same time. Everything falls apart at the same time. Like she steps on that nail and goes into labor oh at the God. same time as like the daughter's like, fuck my family. I'm so going to run away at the same time that the father and son are out like having their moment by the waterfall. So it's like they've spent 500 days almost as close together as possible. And the, the first time that they're all spread apart, and all apart from each other, that's when everything good decides to go down like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Presumably the first time we don't know that, that what might true. have happened. That, you know, it's but I agree with you. I think it's a very it's a weird like like it's this this perfect storm. Per, of yeah. All of this shit going down at the same time that it all happens that way. That, but again, they, yeah. they have to pull it off in 90 minutes. And so. But that the way that I like to think of those kind of things when I can <laughs> is that like that's again like that's why you're hearing this story because right. it's the most like because real life is fucked up sometimes like crazy coincidence I mean, results and things and and it's like well we're hearing this story because like this crazy sequence of yeah. it's noteworthy right <laughs> in well, the fictional how world. many times have you felt like when it rains it pours in your own life you know like and again yeah. like movies always heighten everything and that's exactly what this is is just like. <laughs> You know, or you're never handed more than you can, you know, you're, you're never handed more than you can handle or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. You yeah. Know? So yeah. Cause they do kind of handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. As best they can. Um, Some of them pretty well. <laughs> so, so that all comes down and I love the, the birth scene, like that, the, the tension oh that's my built gosh, the tension in that around from the moment she Five steps minutes. on that nail. Yeah. Oh, that alone, that was enough. Well, yeah. because, because she's pulling <laughs> and, the laundry basket up the stairs, and you see her pull that nail, and the audience knows what's going to happen. Beautiful foreshadowing. I mean, totally just like the foreshadowing, and just like, and then the fact that it stays there. Yeah. Like I just kept waiting for someone else to step on it. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was such yeah. a looming menace. And luckily, it never plays again. But like, but then the, the the trick that she does with the egg timer. Cause she's in that tiny confined basement with one of those things mm -hmm. that we've show that we've seen up to this point has, there's no stopping them. It there's just like, it reminds the, me of the predator alien, like the alien from yeah. predator. It looks similar, not the same, but similar to the, that's predator fair. Alien. I, I get, I, yeah. I always think of the Cloverfield monster just because they have those, like the really long arms that, kind of come off their back. I refuse to watch Cloverfield. Oh yeah. <laughs> I <haven't seen> <laughs> You he keeps, so, bringing, he keeps bringing it up like, hey, how about we watch, how we watch Cloverfield? I, 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 wanted, I, I wanted to watch long, it. Long, short drink. I really wanted to watch it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I can't yeah. do it. No. Yeah, that's interesting. But I, I, I mean, don't, I, I don't think I don't she think will. it's a good idea. So, but, so we finished anyway, this movie. Yeah. And as we're going up to bed, she stops and she's like, and another scary movie that I can't wait to watch again. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that I just, would watch again, that, that I, I would, would definitely watch again. watch again, just because, like we were saying at the beginning, like you watch something for the first time and you miss 
a dozen things that you're not paying attention to because there are other things that draw your attention. That's one of those movies that there are so many layers, even in that 90 minutes. I know there are a dozen things that I didn't yeah. see the first time. I saw a bunch. Well, in like, and you saw it watching it for the second time with me. I saw you a saw bunch. A bunch. Of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was third well time in that opening scene. We see we're 40 minutes away from the point in that opening scene. <laughs> one of the things I noticed that when they're in the pharmacy and they're foraging, the chip aisle is complete. It's all still stocked. The rest of the store is completely oh. like decimated because chips are noisy. The bags yeah. are noisy. The chips themselves are noisy. Those that's the only thing in that store. That aisle is pristine. It's all that's fully awesome. stocked, you know, like, yeah. And who would think like, who would think of that? Like it, John Krasinski, like a brilliant filmmaker would think of that, but the tension the uh, during the climax is just, it's some of the best horror movie tension. It's just so good. It's like, how is she going to get out of that basement? Oh my gosh, she got out of the basement. How is she going to have this fucking baby? How and is then, she in that bathtub and the monster's coming up the stairs? And the monster's coming up the stairs. And then and then the, the, the son's got to overcome all of his fear and go off on his own to do something. Like, to literally save his mom. You need to know how to do this so that you can take care of me. That's what the mom told him before he left on that trip. And then it, he has to go off on his own to take care of his mom, like to go set off that firework, you know? And like, oh, so good. And that- So many layers. They're And they're building up. The daughter's coming back. John Krasinski's trying to find his wife. The son's going to light the fireworks. Emily Blunt's getting ready to have the baby. The alien's coming up the fucking stairs. She, you, she's crowning. There's she's gonna have to scream. There it's gonna be it's gonna happen. You know it's coming. And that fireworks goes off, and like you get flooded with sound and color from oh the fireworks. Yeah. And she screams like right into the camera, she screams and just like and you your tension is relieved just like hers is because that sound is there, like it like. Again, and that then my sound immediate thought is a new newborn fucking baby, a, a newborn baby. What's that? H how are they going to keep a newborn baby quiet? Right, and that's where you realize that what they were doing in that in that room in the basement of the barn, where they were putting all the paper up on the walls and making that crate, that's all soundproofing. You realize that. But that's brilliant shit. foreshadowing. It's brilliant. I oh mean, yeah. It's brilliant. Like building up the character and the story. And it's almost like the, the lights and the sounds that you hear and that you don't hear are also characters in the story. It's not yeah. just, well, and they're I not just extra. It's kind of a payoff for the fans because the whole, once you realize what they were doing, you're like, that's never going to fucking work. <laughs> I, that's not going to work. And it doesn't, it falls apart. As soon as they need it, it falls apart. You, like because of the water. You know, like, and you realize like how, how precarious this, what, like how delusional they were to think that it would work, you know? And, uh, yeah, I forgot about the water. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. And I, and I think that, so I think the sound editor deserves all the awards and Emily Blunt <laughs> deserves all the like supporting actress awards because the, the way she interacts with the children in that movie, the way that that scene where she's having the baby and then the last shot Ooh. with no sound 
how she is able with her eyes and her stature to go from fear to hope. Like she switches from all of her posturing is we're all going, everything I've worked for to protect my children is all going to unravel in front of my eyes to I can fucking do this. Like, <laughs> and, and you're just, ah, and she racks that fucking shotgun. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> like you wanted her to like, you want, you're like, please, I want that shot. And she fucking delivers. Yep. Yeah. She comes Sarah Connor in that moment. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And in a split a quiet second. place too. She's going to be doing like pull-ups. Yeah. <laughs> <in a> tank top. <laughs> yeah. In a, t- in a strap shirt. Pull-ups in a strap shirt. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, like that. It, it, yeah. The, that, that's my takeaway of those two things. Like I, I, I feel like those two people, the sound editor, and Emily Blunt deserve all the awards because she. I'm glad she fought to for him to put her in that movie mm-hmm. because she. They had great chemistry, obviously, because they're. I love watching them together because they are so in love with each other. Uh, so they yeah, have that great chemistry, beautiful. but then, man, does she just she just sells it? It's so good, so so good. Yeah. yeah. Quick shout out to the, cause I, I was sort of like when I, a little bit after Hamilton too, like the Hamilton thing when I'm like, well, fucking one dude came up with this. I was furious in a way uh, <laughs> when I thought he wrote and directed this John Krasinski, I was like losing my mind and it made me feel just a little bit better <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that there were two, that the, the, the writers were this guy named Brian Woods and Scott Beck and then and John Krasinski. Krasinski got involved yeah. but just quick shout out to whoever those guys are yeah but whatever the, the creative team uh behind this is yeah they, I mean they did something that had not been done before yeah. and 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 was unbelievable and another kudos to the whole production team because at any point John Krasinski could have just said okay you kids are kids you stand where I say, you do what I say, you say what I say, that's it. Like, that's all you are. But he engaged the his daughter, like Reagan, Regan's character. She, as the, as the deaf child, like, helped advise and, like, guide that aspect of the movie. And I read something that said, like, the, the very ending where John Krasinski's about to get killed by the monster, he's shot in the stomach, he's standing there, he looks at his daughter in the pickup truck, they both know what's about to happen. Dad is going to sacrifice himself to keep his kids alive. And in original, the original script, he looks at his daughter and says, I love you and signs that. And originally that's all he was going to say. And she, it was her suggestion to say, you need to say, I have always loved you yeah, because, because that she's covers, been blaming herself that whole she's time. She's been blaming herself oh, that whole time. Yeah. So when you say, I love you, that's what a father says to his daughter. And but it, when he looks at her and says, I have always loved you that melts away any doubt that she had or any blame that she might have put on herself or thinking that he blamed her for her brother's death and it ties it back to the conversation that the son had with him where the son said you should tell her and that's what he uses his last moments that's the first opportunity he had to tell her and he did yep yeah was to tell her that and it's not tell your mother i love her it's I have always loved you because he needs to clear that up in those last moments and the slow-mo and the, because you can see the creature is like 
behind him and coming in in that and like it's out of focus and just like that so in the brother hits the e-brake on the truck at the same moment and just like fuck fuck that movie yeah. is <laughs> yeah yeah it's a credit to all of them yeah. how moved we all are <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it's thinking about it yeah yeah and and i grew up with um with deaf grandparents so it, it, there, oh, yeah. there's a cer- certain kind of like rings true sometimes when you see like a real person doing a real thing, like, cause there's some things about that that are very specific that uh, I, I saw it recently in Castle Rock. Actually, I haven't confirmed that, but I'm pretty sure this one actor like has to be actually deaf because some of the vocalizations and stuff that happen. I haven't started uh, that yet. Are unmistakable. I wait, yeah. I don't think we'll have time to, to get to that tonight, but but there's, there, there'll be time in the future. We'll, we'll do, we'll Castle future, Rock it up. Yeah. yeah. I need to start it. So I started, yeah. I did start Rick and Morty. Shout out to Crams. I oh, finally really? started Rick Shout and out Morty. To yeah, I'm one episode into that as well still. <laughs> oh, so good. So you had said earlier that this movie, um, I don't know if you even said this, but it's 90 minutes long. The budget was 17 to 21 million, which I don't know how much they actually spent, but that was the budget that they were given. It's made over $330 million. That's every horror movie. And like even mod- even like shitty horror movies, they have a budget of ten million, and they'll make one hundred and twenty-five on opening weekend. They don't need them to go two weeks. They just—they've made. That's so impressive. <laughs> yeah, they, like. Uh, yeah, this movie was released in March. I uh, sorry, April in the United States, April sixth. I uh, read an article that said this year has kind of ushered in this um, refinement of the horror genre. Where films like A Quiet Place, um, Genetics, I think is, I think, is that the name of it? Or is that Hereditary? Hereditary. It. I haven't seen that yet, but I hear it has a shout out to Coven in it, which I like. Oh, the idea really? Of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my gosh. That's fucking awesome. Who yeah. puts a shout I'm... out to Coven in there unless they make a public <laughs> access television show? Like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I haven't seen it yet, but I, but Borsher did talk about it on the Cinema Fireside uh, Radio Show podcast I listen to, and he doesn't usually. Well, he'll talk about COVID. He won't talk about anything American movie, anyhow. But yeah, Hereditary. I've heard a lot about. The Bride is interested in that as well. But which those means those, I will certainly get to those see it. movies have proven have made a case that there is room for intelligent horror movies. Like studios should stop using them as cash grabs because there are, there are people who appreciate really smart horror. There's a way to do horror that is substantial and smart. And that's not just schlock. That's not just, yeah. You know, like Annabelle or, or any of those where it, I feel like, is, uh, you guys feel like that maybe is a lot to do with last year with with uh or yeah two years ago i guess now with get out i mean i feel like that was yes that yeah. was the smartest horror movie that i'd seen i do yeah in a it, long time so it's like kind of there the, are other smart horror movies i think that it's just i think that get out helped perpe- like perpetuate that and, but the the case that this article made i'll see if i can find the article is that this year we have had a predominance of and it's not even october that's the other thing too is usually they save horror movies starting now like they come out like in august starting in august through october that's when all the horror movies come out that's when they're going to make the most money because they're just trying to capitalize like it's like Mm -hmm. 
They give them a minuscule budget. Like I'm just using numbers, but like if they spend 25 million on a horror movie and it makes 125, it's opening weekend. It already made five times its budget. Like, you know, so <laughs> that, 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 what else can you ask for? Sound economic model. I yeah, guess you can <laughs> make another $25 million horror movie and still pocket a hundred million and put that towards some other project. And if you're doing, if you're putting three of those out in a year, there's 300 million that you just pocketed. So it, 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 the, the article is like studios should pay attention and actually, Instead of just using them for cash cows, save some, use that money to just put towards intelligent horror movies um, to just kind of give the genre some credibility, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I know we're, uh, yeah, we got about like 45 minutes to talk about Klansmen. Uh, uh, Klansmen, yeah. Klansmen. <laughs> Let's not just say Klansmen, <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. Let's say black lands. That all sounds Moto, weird. Never, Moto's never going in the woods again after yeah. Blair Witch Project. I, I'm, I've never seen oh, Blair Witch. I don't want to oh, see that. Oh, the Blair Witch was oh, just my fantastic. God, that's a magnificent. That it's, it's funny because there's a Palmer's Picks episode that we did. Uh, maybe I'll post around Halloween. I don't know. But we did it in the... In the in in where you were living at the time at your mom's house, yeah, and it was 1999. It was August 1999, and uh, Blair Witch had come out, and we shot that episode not in a studio, but rather in in the home, like during a poker game with all these cabin kids around, and uh, and at some point I ask, um, we're asking various people what their favorite independent film is, and Palmer says. Blair Witch Project, which I had not seen yet, but I was super excited to. And as the cameraman, I just like point away and like run away. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> but I soon did thereafter. And um, God, that is such a good movie. I, I don't know. I feel like you could handle it. You do? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's smart and kind of clever in the ways that some of these movies you've gotten on board with are, but but like a different. It's got a, it's got its own specific take on. Yeah. What's the on other, a situation? What's the other thing that you said? I I have not recommended to watch a movie that you once you finally watch it and you've been disappointed by it. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I I would like to. I wouldn't mind sitting down and writing down all the movies that you've suggested that I've been like hemmed and hawed and resisted well, for about, so long, and then watched them ones. and was like, okay, yeah, this is a really good. Silence movie. of the Lambs. Mm, seven. Seven. 28 days later. So if 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 you're oh, have if, you guys watched that one yet? Yeah, yeah. so if you're long time long short drink listeners, the last time Ash was on, we kind of laid out this plan that we would have a we would call them Palmer's pick instead of Palmer's picks. Yeah, uh, like the Palmer's pick. Yeah, the Palmer's <laughs> pick. Where I would propose three movies that Ash because Ash will I will say, oh man, this is such a great movie. I don't have any interest to watch that. That's her reaction. <laughs> That's the tone. I know she doesn't Those like the it, words I, I hear every I time. Th That's such a, a funny collection of words. Extremely. Yeah. Uh, no, I've decided that that's not a movie I want to watch. You, should, like, you know, it. Dave, you know how much Fight Club means to me, right? And like, yes, I the first time I mentioned Fight Club, she was like, I have zero interest to ever watch that movie. <laughs> 
And I'm just like, oh, like, no. Nothing like he being picks married his belly to know button how with kitchen gloves on. Like, you gotta, like, see that. And we finally watched it. And and she didn't, she said, that's really good. That was really awesome. But that was about the extent, except for, like, four or five days later, she's just like, I can't get that fucking movie out of my head. You know, and. So I did say that. Yeah. So we did see we we did watch Twenty Eight Days Later, and wow. did you like that one? Uh, I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, see, she wasn't. It was like Kill Bill. She wasn't like much, blown yeah. away with it. Yeah, but it wasn't like it didn't have the impact. I think I think part of that was she had built it up. That one is not. It is scary. But like I'm scared of it because it's fast, like the like the fast zombies. Yeah, yeah the fast zombies, yeah. and I I know I would just die in that world. Did we, uh, did we eat cake before we watched that one? Probably. Yeah. I mean, we ate cake just before we watched just about anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I so. will tell. I will say my 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 full vivid, fully developed memory is a little faded for that one yeah but i remember i mean i remember watching it i remember seeing it i remember knowing that it was about zombies but uh, i think it's like Donald gleason is so is that his name is so amazing yeah, in that movie. yeah. i know and killian murphy know that everyone in that movie yeah. and that's not real and it's not going to happen so that takes away some of the fear of it a little bit for me like yeah, yeah i mean that's that but she liked it but i but i did enjoy it's another it. horror it. movie so, yes, that she's another, so like silence of the lambs which i classify that as a suspense oh movie gosh. more than a horror movie that uh, one's stuck in my craw. Seven. Tw uh, 28 Days Later. Quiet Place. Get Out. Get Out. And that one I made you come to the theater to see. Oh, like, that was so good. And That one was so good. I mean, right there. Um, this is and this is this is my wife that when I first met her. Was that is huh? that considered a scary movie? <laughs> yes. Interview with the vampire. That's awesome. That's one of my favorites. I like that one. Uh, yeah, she liked that one a lot too. We just rewatched Deadpool two. Have you guys seen that? Oh, oh gosh, yeah. is that so yeah. good? I love that. Where he's like talking about like, I like that one he's too. the the cab driver friend is equating uh, his his wanting to be a contract killer yeah. as like the, the Kirsten Dunst vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> he mentions awesome. it so many times. Have you seen this? Is an aside, but have you seen the Deadpool like the the Blu-ray in the stores is like all the other movies where they have it's at Walmart. It, it, I think that's a Walmart. Is that the exclusive. only? Okay, all right. You can go buy the first Deadpool, or maybe it is the second Deadpool, but it's slip covers for when you actually buy the movie, where it's. They have Photoshop Deadpool into actual movie covers. So City like slickers. Let me see if I can one. find oh. if I can find the yeah, oh. like City Slickers instead of instead of Billy Crystal Native riding Manhattan. the horse on the cover, it's Deadpool riding the That's horse. Funny. And it says City Slickers. It doesn't say Deadpool. Like it says <laughs> that's great they shouldn't do that at walmart fuck walmart i haven't been in a walmart in the better part of like 20 some years yeah, because i learned I some things about them um so i haven't seen that but that sounds hilarious they're very <laughs> funny because they're like they're all these oh right there that one um no midway down and two over oh yeah they have one with logan there's like all of them listed in that one. Oh, image. that's extra funny with the deadpool business oh yeah <laughs> here Share your entire yeah. Screen. Revenge of the Nerds, Fight oh. Club, Terminator, Predator, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, oh. War of oh the Planet of the Apes. 
Yeah, here I'm going to send you the link. Oh, oh, that's a that's amazing. I'm going to send you the link. To it this. is quite unfortunate that they're at Walmart, but yes, it is. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, the, that's another right. one. All I need to the see fight, it. The fight yeah. club one. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh my god, these are great. Edward Scissorhands. The my favorite was like some of the ones like the like if you scroll down, you can see the Logan one. It's the cover of Logan, and it's Deadpool's hand is holding. Like that's it. But it's all like they're just yeah. they're perfect. Oh, like he's holding oh, the Silver Fight Club, and I genius. love that they did not change. They didn't change the names of the movies to try to fit Deadpool into that. It's just right, right. It, That's right. They just put him into the. They just kind of art photoshopped line. him into the cover art, and it's and it's the actual cover art of all these movies. Yep. Yes. It's not like um, yep. some sort of recreation. I mean, it is. It's photoshopped, but only to include him, not to change the way that the that the, the known space, artwork down is. the bottom right oh yeah office space speed speed That's yeah great. yeah so very clever way to go i don't know if that was a walmart thing or a deadpool thing but it, it was, was pretty smart it was a walmart, it was um, walmart. It was pretty smart anyway okay i thought of that was was very smart. yeah yeah uh so let's shift over to uh black Klansmen. yeah bottom line with a quiet place is go see it it's worth it's worth a watch yeah yeah. There will be, or, there were a couple jump scares that I jumped, and uh, but other than that, I mean, it was definitely a tolerable scary movie. In the, sca- the scariness, the <laughs> scariness was tolerable. That's what I meant. Yeah. I'm gonna throw on the table for scariness. the Halloween season. It would be super awesome if you'd rock a Blair Witch Project. I think you can handle it. Uh, okay. And it's short. It's less than. It's shorter than a Quiet Place. Yeah, it is like only 80 minutes long. It's. I don't oh. think there are any jump scares. Nope. It's all suspense. It's really all suspense. It's, it's I, I, much more about how that story is told that yeah, makes it interesting yeah. than yeah. what it, what actually happens. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. Oh all man, right. there's Harry Belafonte. We'll put that in. What a great uh, cameo. Oh god, we'll what put a that in the pipe and, cameo. and see how it put, goes. Put it, Let's start yeah. with the trailer. <laughs> this one is going to have a lot more. I'm I'm guessing. I chose I chose the trailers based on the ones that came from the studios that put it out. Okay. I'm not sure why. Uh, I don't know if that did as well in either in, in either scenario from the other ones that might be available. But I know this one must have more uh, expositional dialogue yeah. than Quiet Place. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. You ready? I am ready. All right. Let's play this. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke, Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish. Italians and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. Hara. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face to face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron Stalwart. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. 
When's the last time they let a rookie lead an investigation? Oh, that's right. Never. <laughs> okay. Become his friend. Let's get invited back. So what kind of stuff are you guys doing? Cross burdens, marches. This is fixing to be a big year for us. You ask too many questions. You undercover or something? We must unite and organize to fight racism. Are you down for the liberation of black people? Power to the people. All power to all the people. All power to all the people. It's racism. For you, it's a crusade. For me, it's a job. You're Jewish. That hatred, doesn't that piss you off? You're taking this Jew lie detector test. Why are you acting like you ain't got skin in the game? I'm telling you, the wars are coming. Black power! Black power! Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. That's us. Stalwart, the brothers. We're on a roll, baby. America first. America first. America first. If I would have known this was a clan, man, I wouldn't have taken this mother. <laughs> man. And actually... That uh, that trailer, I I I couldn't spoil the movie more than that trailer did, <laughs> and I spoil the shit out of stuff. Um, <laughs> it it gives you the whole movie, but it there I mean there is so yeah. much more to it, and yeah. the performances are stellar. Uh, John David Washington, <laughs> shit, <Did I? sighs> oh, damn. He's amazing. Yeah, he is. I, I I had no idea until afterwards that he, you know that his heritage was is what it is, being that of uh, Denzel Washington and I don't know his wife's name. His <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't. I'll find out. Yeah, Ash is looking that up. Yeah, but I I because I, I said that on the last episode, like every interview that she watched with him, when they would say, you know, what was it like to be Denzel's son, and he would say, and. Blah blah blah, son. Like he, my mother. I love the one where he like he's like my mother was an established actress when she met my father. She gave that up. Pauletta, Pauletta Washington. Pauletta Washington. She gave that up to raise us. So don't like. Oh man, is it good? It's like yeah, it's great. One of four. He's got three three siblings. Three siblings. Oh yeah. really? Um, and he is a. Uh, He's an American actor and a former American football running back. Yeah. He played football at Morehouse College and then signed with the St. Louis Rams as an undrafted free agent in 2006. Played football for a year or two. And and I think he got an injury that he wasn't like he couldn't play anymore. And that's when he finally decided to act. He's the oldest of four children. Yeah. And I did hear he was in uh, Malcolm. I haven't seen Malcolm X yet. But I hear he was uh, a child in that movie and directed by Spike Lee. And, Who directed you know. his father as Malcolm yeah. X. Like, when yeah. just, in, <laughs> yeah. uh, man, it's like in But I just learned of his, yeah, I just learned of his athletic career today, really. I spent sort of the afternoon as best I could listening to um, uh, Spike Lee inter- interviews. Um, mostly, I mean, he didn't talk, I mean, doesn't talk us a great deal about this movie. There's a nice long, like, can. Um, panel about it but um i feel like in a lot of ways this movie kind of speaks for itself like you just have to watch it and let it absorb and i don't i don't know what more i would need to hear spike lee or john david washington say about this movie that isn't 
glaringly obvious from watching it myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell tell me tell me. But so, do you guys see it together in the theater? Right. We saw yeah, it we together went to the last theater. Saw it this past weekend. Um, yep. Yeah, we saw we we had comfy seats, which was wonderful. Uh, we were <laughs> we were two of a total of five people in the theater. There were three others, um, another couple, and then a single woman who sat behind us. And um, my favorite Which part always of any movie is the interaction between the, the audience members. But go ahead. Well, yeah. uh, they had just switched our, this theater over from normal a normal general admission theater to assigned seats. And we were there were only five people there, and we all sat within two seats of each other oh uh, yeah um and so it was an african-american so couple an older african-american couple and an african-american woman and then us two of the whitest people on the planet <laughs> uh watching this movie so that's funny it reminds me when i saw a quiet place we were sitting kind of near people and I, there were the jump scares and stuff there were some of the rare interactions i probably have ever had in a theater where like i jumped to the point where i was embarrassed and would kind of laugh with the people around us yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. yeah but it yeah it makes a difference who who you see a movie around or with yeah i felt camaraderie in this movie with the other in other people in the theater because towards the end where there's some things where the the David Duke is talking about, you know, feeling like a a, wa a wave is coming and there's going to be change coming and, you know, we're going to get political leaders who essentially describing the current political climate. And the yeah. seeds for the the current political climate. I I think that's the smartest thing that this movie does is shows how David Duke changed the face of racism which allowed which, which, it based on this movie ushered in the current political climate that we're in. It, 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 it normalized racism. Yeah. Or sort of legitimized, legitimized it because like, he was a businessman probably, type. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Prior the place in our that. society yeah. for that kind of behavior to be acceptable or, or maybe not acceptable, but tolerable. And he in Topher Grace. What it allows is like it empowers the people that feel like that mm -hmm. to come out of the woodwork, yep. which is what Agent Orange, as as the director yeah. of this film, and he uh, Spike Lee will say he call he stole that from or adopted that from Buster Rhymes. Awesome, <laughs> Buster. But I do, yeah, I like that idea of um, not saying his name, but it, but it, yeah, like that. That is what it is like that, and that was the thing that devastated me that I couldn't necessarily. Well, I did. I could articulate a little bit. Like on election night, the thing that like literally caused me to like weep for hours, <laughs> like not uncontrollably, uncontrollably in a way, but the thing that was so devastating about it was to realize that this is how my neighbor, and now I know because my neighbor, now my neighbors are, as I described before, fucking empowered to like yeah. stake signs in their lawn and have, Shout you know, racism uh, from the rooftops. And yes, he gave them. So first, David Duke gave like the 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 KKK sort of a uh, sort of businessman, calm, veneer. Uh, uh, you know, to to put forth to the world, and then now are literally the leader of the free world is doing the same shit. Well, he even like he makes Topher Grace as David Duke makes the case that if we just keep this up one day there we could we could have congress we could have the white house 
And, and they're about to put a guy in the Supreme Court who doesn't believe that someone that a that a sitting president should be held to account for for federal crimes because we have a sitting president who could and should be indicted for federal crimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's it's it's, yeah. it's a lot to take. But the movie is somehow fun. <laughs> that well, because they take a perspective like because I I feel like in so many ways race is is like oh, you want to tread lightly and you want to be careful what you say and how you say it. And like, you can't, you can't be as forthcoming and as, um, as bold in, in, in what you say and how you say it, as I feel like John David Washington is in this movie. Like he's like, this is his character. You know, Ron Stallworth is like, owns it and when he's on the phone like the first time with the kkk members and he's like i hate black people and i hate asians and i hate all like all the other detectives in the room like turn and look like what <laughs> yeah, is yeah you see that in the trailer saying? yeah and like kind of, and they're laughing and, and i like, think that puts a that allows a little bit of levity into the movie and gives you like okay you can joke and like chuckle about this a little bit because it is ridiculous because in our society that stuff is not things that you would talk about like yeah. You're not just going to drop the N word casually in a conversation because that's just not something that we've that's acceptable in most circles in the United States. But seeing it in this movie and like seeing the way that the characters deal with that and contextualize it, I feel like allows it to be a little bit like, okay, we can all just like sigh a little bit and like take a breath and remember that this is a movie and we're going to tell a story and like we're going to go on this journey together kind of a thing. Well, and I mean, there are some really good like movie payoffs in it, like the good guys win, yeah. and the uh, yeah. I wasn't uh, expecting a lot of that actually. Yeah, yeah and, and and yeah. and what you want to happen happens, and so it be, and all of that allows for the message to really be hammered home and delivered. Um, and and Spike Lee is just his subtlety. On, the, <laughs> I've never heard those right, two right, things no, in the same but, sentence. <laughs> no, but here's where, and this is where I'm going to make the case for it, because the message is, you need to stand up for what you know is right. Yeah, you have it's if you don't do it, nobody else is gonna. If not you, then who? Right, mm -hmm. and we'll protect. Who are we if we can't protect them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, trying to connect. But with, that, that the interaction between, um between uh john david washington and adam driver when adam driver is standing there and he's like i was the only jewish kid in my neighborhood i didn't go i didn't have a bar mitzvah i never thought about this any of this jewish crap before and now it's all i can think about and mm -hmm. it because that's where you know it's either in that scene or in the in the last time when they were kind of talking about it that's when John David Washington was like, doesn't this piss you off? Like you're Jewish. Like, doesn't this piss you off? And that really made, and, and Adam driver's like, yeah, be, just because this never was a big part of my life. It's who I am. And that's why I have to stand up for it. Like, that's why I have to do this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's and, an interesting vehicle now that you say it like as a white person into all this. Right. Because we're not affected by it in the same way. Sure. Um, but it is that it's a little bit like that journey, though I, I don't like to use that word. Uh, 
you don't see it like like growing up in 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 rural rural Ohio like I didn't see it I didn't know any differently until yeah. I did until I somehow could experience or had contextualized for me what these other human beings were going through just because of like the shade of their skin and where they came from but so it's like once so you like you don't so like one day you don't see it and then the next day or maybe not the next day but however long it takes for you to start to get an idea that it's mm-hmm. different then it's like all you see you can't for, see it yeah yeah and, and it's and it's yeah. everywhere in this way that is um yeah it's, it's hard it's heartbreaking to like witness as a human being and then to realize that this whole other section of the population like they deal with it hardcore <laughs> like they yes yeah I, well and i i i think just like in get out that's the uh, maybe i should have had this caveat sooner but it, it there is still we are still not going to be impacted by this movie the same way an African American. We're not going to take the same things from it. Any minority, not just African American, but especially yeah, yeah, African American. But you're especially right. African-American. Like anybody who is not white is going to see this, get something more. I feel like out of this movie, or or yeah. or perceive it or experience it in a different way because it is so personal like when um his girlfriend before he's his girlfriend gets stopped by the cops and like harassed and like yeah that is that was like oh well shit is disgusting and, well it's and disgusting honestly, but like it's also happening right now like well and i think that's that's spike lee he is trying to bolster the young African-Americans now, like don't let like in, in the, the, it's illustrated in the scene with Harry Belafonte where he's telling the story of the lynching. And did either of you guys discover whether or not he's telling something he witnessed? Cause I, I haven't like, I'm not sure if he's saying something um, he actually saw. Cause it seemed like it could have been, I don't know. Uh, he's around for maybe I, I, I did not, He's telling a real story. I know that. I'm just not sure if he's telling a story that he like. If that's saw. him, or well, he's yeah. not playing himself. He's not playing Harry Belafonte. Right. Harry. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. And the story he's telling is in the, is in the 30s, right? So I don't. I don't think that. I don't think it. Would oh, have been okay. He would have been oh, alive. For. Okay. I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. But the whole purpose of that character telling that story is so that these young black college students don't forget where they came from right Mm -hmm. and really that spike lee is telling that story to today's young black kids to not forget don't you you know like if we if we let this be forgotten and again i it's not it's it's not a message that's being delivered to me so it's all i can give is my interpretation but if we let this be forgotten we're going like, it. yeah, it, yeah. in yeah. the ties to the nationalism, the current nationalism that's happening and, and, and fascism that's happening yeah. that all of those like ending shots of today, right? It, it, yeah. they, man, it takes it from like the seventies to base. And the movie came out a year from the day uh, where Charlottesville, where like all of those KK, literally KKK yep. members took off their hoods and walked through the streets of America. That wasn't accidental. Yep. 
That was not no, accidental. No, yeah. And and I was listening today to where he talked about like that they were in production when that happened, but when he Spike Lee saw that that was going on, he was like, well, that's there's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is not... You know, I do think... It's interesting because I... It's interesting to me. That's a tick I've noticed in <laughs> listening to the uh, podcast. I say that a lot. Um, but in listening to Spike Lee interviews throughout the day... I'm surprised at how much of it may I think it's a, I think it's actually aimed at all of us. It reminded me of this this poem that I hear it's like a seven line poem that I've heard alluded to a lot but never actually looked up. And so I did and uh it's I can't say quite the name it's from a German Lutheran pastor Martin something but it's about the cowardice of the German I'm reading from Wikipedia. It's about the cowardice of the German intellectuals following the Nazis rise to power and the subsequent purging purging of their chosen targets group after group but it's oh, wow. it's a pretty famous like seven line thing and it says first they came for the socialists and i did not speak out because i was a socialist then they came for the trade unions and i did not speak out because i was a trade unionist then they came for the jews and i did not speak out because i was not a jew and then they came for me because there was no one left to speak for me yeah and 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 the the person at the end of this movie, who is like they they get full screen rest in what is it rest in ah oh shit I can't think it's like rest in love or rest in power, and it's basically a white girl who was killed when um, yeah. a person drove a car into a protest rally. She was the one who was killed at the Charlottesville thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and so and, and and. Um, as a white person you hear about these things and, and then you don't like what the fuck am I supposed to do <laughs> like you don't necessarily know how, how to help and a lot yeah. of times when you're hit with all this like you don't know what to do mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that I have the answer to that at all like I still feel that every day but I, uh, but I, I like the idea um, well okay there's so I'm trying to think of like a quick way to get to this. And <laughs> I can't really. Um, well, I, I, I do know. So I was, um, Spike Lee reached out to the parents of this, of this person, uh, Heather, um, Heather Heyer. Heather Heyer. Yeah. He reached out to her mom and he's like, you know, I'm thinking of putting her as the, as part of the coda of this movie. Would you be okay with that? And she was saying her, her mom said, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I gotta be honest with you. I'm getting a lot of, like hate and flack from from black people saying like you know black kids like this die every day mm-hmm. and and then spike lee said to her he's like please try not to take that to heart oh man that's sorry he's like just sort of saying like you know your daughter um was you know she died sort of giving love and giving support and she's a martyr and you have to remember that just because mm-hmm. some people say that, like, like black people are not like one monolithic group. Like we don't right. all think the same thing. <laughs> and right. so just because those people have said this to you doesn't mean, sorry, the, the timer's going off. It's like, just like, Hey dude, get off your soapbox, but I can't make it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, but like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> These timer things are great. They always go off when I'm talking. 
which I think is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, it's um, and so there's also this thing that, especially given given the time where we're at, I don't think we really have time to get into. But I do want to say that um, the director, writer, director of another great, interesting uh, social critique film that it, that's putting it, you know, broadly, whatever. Um, sorry to bother you. The director of that, writer, director of that, Boots Riley, um, came out in sort of he had a response to this film. It's like a three page type thing at boots Riley on Twitter. You can find it. And he criticizes Spike Lee for, he doesn't really criticize anything about the way that the film is made. And he, he puts forth a lot of admiration for Spike Lee. Uh, but he says basically he, he has some issues with the, the facts and what this is based on. And uh, so I won't necessarily get into that because it would take too much time, but in response, the only thing Spike Lee has really said. And so one of the main things he calls uh, Boots Rally call, calls into question is this idea of sort of putting the co- like cops as heroes in this whole thing. Yeah. And, and Spike Lee says very little about this. And it actually ties into the only other thing I said. And then I'll kind of sit back here for a second. But Spike Lee sort of, he doesn't mention Riley by name, but he says, if you look at my films, they've been very critical of the police. And on the one hand, I'm never going to say all police are corrupt, but that, or that all police hate people of color. I'm not going to say that. I mean, we need police, he says. Unfortunately, police in a lot of instances have not upheld the law. They have broken the law. But I'd also like to say, sir, that black people are not a monolithic group. So he goes on a little bit about that. And then he also says uh, about what I was saying about that idea. So it's interesting that the person that fills the screen at the end is not a person of color, but rather this person who, who, who stood next to them in protest and was killed. So the only other thing he says about this, he says, if you look at the civil rights movement, white people died in Mississippi, Alabama, Kent State during the Vietnam protests. White people have died for justice. So it's not a matter of saying I can put Heather Heyer at the end of a film because she's not black. Um, Heather Heyer was on the side of truth and justice. So, there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of leave yeah. it at that. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I guess, especially given where I was taking us, we haven't got a chance to talk about the movie as much itself as what it brings up. But it brings up a lot. Um, well, I, sorry, I, I mean, that's, I think, that's what a movie, a good movie would do uh, on a yeah. topic like this, right? Um, and the ability for this movie to tell a story and to also like bring you along to figure out the story and then understand it and then to add the current you know political climate and to add the the context for what this movie looks like in 2018 there were so many things that in the theater they would say in that movie that one one or both of us would make a sound or look at the other one and be like holy shit yeah like it's like us talking about the dead zone so and the correlations to oh, oh dead zone <laughs> That apply to right I, now and to our current yeah. climate and like the other people in the theater were also responding and reacting in that way yeah. of like oh like even if it was grumbling and like like frustrations it was oh it and was, it's so yeah one, one just quick tidbit that i learned today was that when in the trailer when topher grace as david duke says put america first which was one of the platforms of yeah Agent orange yeah um that 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 is literally period accurate yep to kkk doctrine yeah. <laughs> like, 
So there well, were so there, there were a lot of things like that, like make America great again, which were a little bit of jabs, but are like kind of like, he doesn't say like, make hey. America great again. He's like bring greatness back to America oh, or something right, like right. like. There's That's a right, twist yeah. on it that uh, yeah, but that one was accurate. And yeah. Disturbing. Oh man. Well, yeah. the movie like uh, it was just so good. I, I really appreciated the way that the story unfolded in that you see you see Ron Stallworth at the beginning of the movie and he's this like hot looking young black kid who's got this great looking afro and he <laughs> wants a job and he sees an opportunity and he's like all right yeah I'm gonna do this I'm gonna take this opportunity and see where it's you know I'm gonna explore this and see where it takes me and mm. and I, I think I would argue that like the the cops and the police force that he works for, you can see their flaws in the, even at the very end of the movie where it's like, well, yeah, we found all this information and now our police chief is telling us to destroy it. Like we right. need to destroy yeah. all of our findings. Like, but, but sir, we have all of this really good, important data and important information. Nope. Destroy it all. So like you see the, the reality of, like struggling against the police was was something that people did even in the 60s and 70s and it's still something that we continue to do today that doesn't make me feel better about it but it is the reality of looking at something like this and seeing how the year it was made it applied to current events and now here it is you know 20 30 how many years later 40 years later yeah it still applies to what we're going through and what's what's going on in our in our politics and Oh, that that to me was just yeah. like very poignant and it didn't feel heavy handed or like it was being shoved down my throat. And that's why I feel like this movie did that job, of, did a good job of balancing the humor and the current event component of the movie, because I didn't walk away from this. Like I walked away feeling kind of sad and sullen because there was that really heavy dose of reality with all the images and 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 words at the very end and then Heather Heyer's yeah. face. But the movie itself ended with this like, okay, we're going to, we're going to be okay. We're going to figure this yeah, out. Yeah. It was kind of happy. Feel goody. Um, Palmer, I, I want to get, make sure you have a chance to talk, but I also just want to make sure to say for people who somehow don't see it, essentially you reach the end of the story story of what happened in the seventies and what, what they're telling dramatically. And then it cuts to a montage of things that have happened in the last, like two years, tw- you know, years, two yeah. years, basically starting with, I think, David Duke, um, who is fictionally portrayed in the movie by Topher Grace and then shown in real life. Yeah. Um, Prior to uh, the Charlottesville marches. That's like it's. Yeah. He didn't because he's no longer the Grand Wizard. Right. And he uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I don't know if he marched with them in Charlottesville, but he so. he coordinated them in Charlottesville and. Yeah. I mean, well, and like you said, they they took their hoods off and marched. Like, they're not afraid anymore. They're not like they've been. They're given half a the face. population, like in a way. It literally have been given a face, and uh, I, I think, well, and you find out that David Duke called Spike Lee before the movie came out. Yeah, I, because, oh, I didn't hear that. What way do tell? He wanted yeah. he wanted to make sure that he was portrayed fairly in the film. <laughs> what does that mean? Once the film, because he's a getting... fucking asshole. That's what it means. It, like <laughs> the way Spike Lee tells it is like once the film started getting a little bit of like attention and critical like 
um, yeah, attention and people started paying attention to it and like saying, oh, like this, there's this movie coming out and it's, I think it's going to make an impact and like, here's what it's about. And like, at that point is when David Duke calls up Spike Lee and is like, uh, I just want to make sure I'm being portrayed fairly. Yeah. And Topher Grace said that he read David Duke's book. That was one of the ways that he prepared for the role and how it's. It was kind of damaging to him. Da- yeah. Like it, 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 it affected him way. in a negative way, like trying to get in the mind of this character and, and like envelop yourself in that kind of hate. And yeah. And, and, and it's hate. Like So, so you have David Duke on one side. And then you have the actual Klansman. I, I mean, David Duke is a Klansman. I would need to be careful about that. But he's, even in his delivery of the, like, the creed of the, uh, you know, the the men, it, he's kind of suave, right? Like, like yeah. Topher Grace, like, kind of pulls it off where he's like this suave. He's charismatic. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And the clan, like the, the, Colorado clans members are what you would expect clans members to be like. Right. And, 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 oh, it's, I feel that that David Duke style is sinister that like, this is, it's like the other guys are bad and they're evil, but like David Duke is using his position his wealth, his charisma. He's using his powers for evil. Like that's Are you talking about uh, our president or David Duke, the grand wizard of the KKK. Literally, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and at the end of the movie, too, they show a, a clip of, of David, the real David Duke in real life talking about how, you know, the things that President Trump is saying are the things that are going to like, he's essentially saying like we're being primed and like set up for this resurgence of our yeah. belief system and our, our words and our, like we have a platform now because of this president. The fact that the KKK can say we have a president, we have a platform now because of this president. Like what, what? Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. I, I staggering, but full true. stop. That is yeah. not okay. It's so it's subversive and it just, and it, oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about all the heavy things about it, but I don't know. It, I it's love, oddly so like a I kind of a the, charming movie <laughs> until the last five minutes. Trifecta of the three cops, the th- like the three detectives. Yes, that is delightful. John yeah. David Washington, Adam Driver, and then oh, it's Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi's he looks like brother. he looks like Steve Buscemi. I think <laughs> Steve Buscemi's brother. I was yeah. like, yeah. he has a very Buscemi esque. Just yeah. Steve Buscemi because he looks. <laughs> off in this movie but that he's got his eyes he talks yeah that's that's so thank god okay steve buscemi's fine it's just his brother michael buscemi are you fucking kidding me it's literally his brother michael Michael buscemi in the movie yeah (laughs) that's fantastic I send didn't that know link because that. that's a great picture of him. That's awesome. Yeah, here I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you like, his IMDb. Uh, of course, it looks like somebody say. I know. He looks familiar. Yeah, Michael Buscemi. Great <laughs> that's cast. so great. You, those three. Those three. Um, the, tell me this right oh, here does yeah. not look like Steve Buscemi. And I'm pretty sure this is might be front. No, it's. Not. Oh yeah, yeah. So oh my that god, that's sent. great! Like he, the looks IMDb like, one. oh, especially yeah, 
So he looks like the bizarro version of like the doppelganger of Steve Buscemi. And it was almost it was distracting for me because I was trying to figure out what happened to Steve Buscemi that he looks so different. <laughs> and now I'm like it's like resetting. I'm like, oh, OK, it's two a younger people. brother, huh? Is he older brother or younger brother, uh, probably a younger brother. Uh, 19. Oh, maybe not Steve Buscemi. Let me look here. I'm going to have yeah, to go Steve grab Bushimi the dog here. He's three years but... older. Oh, well, yeah, that's not much. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to know that. That's so delightful. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, th gosh. those three, like, there is a kind of, I was listening to, them. yeah, I was I was listening to the film comment podcast today. Before, I, about halfway through, I'm like, wait a second. I want to hear it from the from the director's, you know, mouth. <laughs> um, but the film comment podcast was talking about, there's like a vaguely Starsky and Hutch <laughs> vibe to the whole movie. Yeah. And yeah. It is. That. It's a little, it's like that. kind of fun. It, <laughs> and, uh, it really is. And it, unlikely. Cause looking at the three characters on yeah. the face, you don't imagine that the three of them would form that relationship and, and start to be sort of friends. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and there's that whole thing where even before the boots, Riley, uh, criticism i i saw one of the things i watched today was an interview with uh, spike lee on the daily show and he was asking about the cop thing about the idea of because there's a very bad obviously bad cop mm -hmm. yeah. in the movie who is who's actually given his comeuppance and that's part of the boots riley uh, critique is like like none of that is true none of that yeah. but anyway we won't get into that but yeah. uh, um that is nice to see in the movie, but but that idea of like, well, so Livingston is saying like, why don't you, you know, he's a bad guy, like why don't you do something about it? And I think Adam Driver's character says like, well, because we're family, right? And um, and I, th and so Spike Lee was asked about that, and then I, I I won't remember it very well, but it was something to the effect of just like, look, people are complicated, and um these situations are complicated. And he's like, what I've been trying to do for like 30, 40 years of my film career is just show the truth and, and also try to show the repercussions mm -hmm. of, of that. And, um, yeah, he's like, not all, not all cops are bad. Like some cops are bad. Like some people are, are, are good and bad. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And that and same I, I, family brings in John David Washington because like they're even from the first time that he makes the call, they're there to like that room of detectives are there to support him. Like they, yeah, you know, like, and at the end when he gets his, like his redemption call with David Duke, like they're all there laughing with him. And the Sergeant is there. Oh like, yeah. You, I love the Sergeant yeah. and how supportive he is yeah. of him. And, yeah. and Except this, that he says, I need you to destroy all of your evidence from this. No, that's the captain says that the oh, Sergeant the is sergeant the one. Oh, the Sergeant. Yeah. The sergeant yeah. 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 Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The I know what you're talking about. The darker uh, hair yep. guy. The Who, captain is the gray hair one. Yeah. yeah. The one. And, and the then the, the captain was the guy from thinner. That's which there's the tie to the Stephen King universe. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, no, you're right. Let me go grab the let me go grab the dog yeah, so the bride can go to sleep, and then I'll be right back. I'm gonna okay. pee uh, while you do uh, that. You two okay. viewers don't fucking go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about racism, bitches. <laughs>
This old lady is grumpy. Oh, it's Maggie, right? Old lady, it's Maggie May. Yeah, we'll remember Aww. things. Aww. She's got what they call sundowners syndrome or something now to where her whole circadian rhythm is off. And so she gets up at like yeah for something thinking she needs to eat and then just terrorizes us. So I, I'm on Maggie duty tonight. But I got her now. I know you guys also have to get up early, but I'll, I'll let you drive from this point i know yeah sorry it's so serious like it's like fucking racism is bad right yeah <laughs> and and of course we know that and i and that's when i start to feel like am i just am i that quote-unquote like woke white person that has to make sure everybody knows that i know racism is bad um yeah that's a great point yeah. you know what i, I mean? feel like that's like, yeah that's what i feel like i've i've done by being so upset about it <laughs> yeah but but at the yeah. same time i feel like us like being able to talk about it and like me being able to articulate as a white person like this is my privilege my privilege as a white person that is i i didn't have to deal with any of this shit yeah and holy cow there are people in america who have to deal with this shit and i acknowledge how fucked up that is she woke and i <laughs> I can can be in solidarity with somebody else's experience, even if it wasn't my yeah. own, without trying to like feel what they're feeling or 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 know what they're going through. I'm never going to know what they're going through, but I agree with you and I understand how screwed up it is that we live in a world where you still have to feel that way. Like that's some bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't. I mean, I I understand. Like there there is that feeling of like I can't say or think or feel or fully express myself sometimes in the way that I want to, because I don't want to come off as like pretending like I'm something that I'm not. I fully understand and acknowledge my privilege in this situation and in this conversation. And I, I just want more people to acknowledge their own privilege and be able to stand up and say, this is the part of my life that I'm really privileged in. And one of those is my skin color. Like that's just a, a stupid something I did nothing to deserve and like how screwed up is it that our, we live in a world where, where that has such a huge impact on somebody's life and upbringing. It's yeah. 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 Uh, they, they asked one of the things I heard Spike Lee asked about this is like, why, why this movie now? So we are I was talking a little bit earlier about with a quiet place. It's, it's interesting because it, <laughs> fuck, it's a vocal tick. The thing that's, <laughs> think of another way to say it but that i fuck, it's another one of my vocal tics no vocal tics aside <laughs> and embracing them i guess uh that the story that that movie is trying to tell is heightened by the by the circumstance in which it's told and the way that it's told like as all good movies are like that's the thing we're trying to get at the blair witch project it's not so much what happens it's like the way that it's told that makes it mm -hmm. so special or the context in which it's presented so i wonder a little bit if this movie where was a situation where they wanted to tell a certain type of story or they wanted to get a certain type of thing and this true life vehicle the six word high concept pitch that jordan peele gave spike lee black man infiltrates the ku klux klan right <laughs> gave them the sort of opportunity to talk about this thing they wanted to talk about anyway and because of the way that the that whole story is wrapped the wrapper that that comes in allows it to have extra allows you to get at the the external resonances that they, they wanted to get at yeah um 
maybe I, I don't know but it certainly works pretty well <laughs> and then the connection that they make is that essentially things haven't changed from right. then to now in fact they've been kind of ramped up i i would even i would place. even argue that they're i mean maybe the, the film doesn't say this but i i would argue that i feel like we have gone back I, f- mm-hmm. I I feel like we have taken some steps backwards in this progress that yep. that the people and, and I think that's that scene with Harry Belafonte. Of course, it's a crucial it's like the climax of the story, right? Because everything's going down surrounding that talk. Yeah, but the, the birthing scene of the <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the talk like the purpose of that talk, the whole thing is there. Like every time they cut back, you get another giant piece of that and and piece together. It's the whole story. Yeah. Harry Belafonte is relating the story to a room full of reverent, um, members of, I, I think the, uh, the black student, the acted, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listening to him. Um, yeah. and, and Spike Lee made a point to say like when Harry Belafonte was there on that day, everybody was dressed to the nines, like maximum respect. Yeah. And that's what you witness in that scene as he relates very calmly, <laughs> the oh, lynching of like, yeah. 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 Uh, and, um, and then as that's happening in the story, like there's other things happening with the related to the plot. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think that is yeah, that's where it all kind of comes together. I was curious because uh, uh, you mentioned Jordan Peele, and and of course that has the three of of us that like, yeah, the Get Out connection. And I was interested to see the publication. Uh, I knew he had written a book, and I was curious, um, how like the order because the book on Amazon says 2018 it came out in july of 2018 oh, yeah livingston's book i think that's probably a re uh reprint re-up or something stalworth uh stalworth oh, sorry Stallworth. yeah ron stalworth why am i saying livingston ron know. livingston is that from office space yeah <laughs> i think it is <laughs> he gave it because you mentioned in 2006 that's when he gave an interview to the desert news of salt lake city so he after he infiltrated the Klan, he moved to the Utah Department of Public Safety, where he worked as an investigator for 20 years. He retired in 2005. This is from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. In January 2006, he gave an interview to the Desert News of Salt Lake City, where he gave the details of his infiltration of the KKK. He disclosed that the inv- uh, the investigation had revealed several Klan members who were active members in the U.S. Armed Forces which that's, that does make it into the movie, including two NORAD um, that controlled triggers for nuclear weapons. The pair were both reassigned. Stallworth was told that they had went somewhere like the North Pole or Greenland, as a quote. Um, he didn't publish the book Black Klansman with no third K. It's just two words, Black Klansman, uh, in 2014. So back to Amazon... I'm sure it is a re-release of that book, but down in the editorial reviews on the Amazon page for that book, uh, this quote is on there where it says, I was just blown away. I couldn't believe I had never heard about it. It's one of these pieces of reality that almost plays like social satire. I was immediately obsessed with that story. Jordan Peele in The Hollywood Reporter. Um. So he yeah, was yeah. he was attached to this story all like all you know for a while. So 
Uh, the real Ron Stallworth claimed that one of the biggest regrets of the investigation not being made public is that had it been revealed, he felt like David Duke would have been made a fool for having been conned by a black man and might not have continued his political career. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that could have altered the course of a lot more history than. Yeah. Well, it, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I would encourage, like, I'll, I'll retweet it when the episode comes out, but um, Boots Riley's critique. So Boots Riley is the guy that made this, and I would definitely recommend you guys see the movie. Uh, sorry to bother you. It's a very interesting so, social satire yeah. and comedy, whatever. But Boots Riley had, so he's an American, I'm looking at, his Wikipedia is staggeringly short for the things that he's done. So I don't know if he moderates it or what, but <laughs> it's uh um, he's an American rapper, producer, screenwriter, film director, and communist activist. Is that what it says? And he, uh, he's he was uh, born 1971 to a family of radical organizers in Chicago. By the time he was six, his family moved to Detroit and Oakland. His interest in politics began at a young age, inspiring him to join the International Committee Against Racism at age 14 and the Radical Progressive Party at age 15. So his critiques of the movie. So I have often said on this podcast that when it comes to like entertainment <laughs> and someone's opinion of a movie that I saw and enjoyed, I don't really care to have it sullied by sure. someone saying theirs, <laughs> like in terms of like, it's bad because, because maybe I enjoyed it one day. I listen to that or hear that. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, I don't like it as much, <laughs> but I will like be quick to say like that that's for entertainment. <laughs> and so while we are talking about entertainment, I do think that that is, a uh a qualified example <laughs> of like how that that's kind of important to 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 listen to that critique at least even in my perspective sure. because it has to do not just with uh well it's a, well it's because of important things so uh, I'll t- I'll retweet those three well, pages in that, he wrote and that's uh, un- I mean the the shady cop getting caught you know that setup yeah. uh, like that was what I was referring to when I was like, and the good guys in the end win. Yeah. And then that's the piece that. That didn't happen. Adam Driver's character wasn't a Jewish cop. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all kinds of inconsistencies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of don't mind in some ways because like, it, yeah, it's based on a true story. I don't, but especially coming from someone like Spike Lee who, who could take this, I don't know. You know, th- th- this last week we saw. Uh, sorry, I, this is, I won't go too along too long about this, but like we saw hard to ship, turn the ship around. Don't forget that. I know it is hard to turn the ship around, but so like John McCain died, was buried, and at his funeral he orchestrated his funeral. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to to be this kind of bipartisan, yes. non-political. Well, it was very political actually, but, but so bipartisan. the bride, that, bipartisan. That, yeah, that's the crucial part. Yes. Yeah. He asked and two the, men. That everybody thought he hated to eulogize him. Like that's Yeah. Yeah. George W. Bush and, and Barack Obama. And two men who represented who were both presidents of the two political parties that seemed to not be able to get along, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and in a way, too, 
one of John McCain's legacies, unfortunately, is he might have birthed a lot of the shit that we're into by giving power to Sarah Palin and mm. and and whatever. But yeah. but at the same time, like you do, <laughs> he he. I don't know. Like everything. I didn't know a lot about him and his past, other than the headlines until his passing. But so I mention all this because when the bride was watching it, she called me in when Barack was speaking because she knows how I feel about him, <laughs> and. I was just, you know, I'm I'm ever amazed at the way that he and his wife or whatever like have that that motto of they go low, we go high. Yeah, it's it's staggering and it's inspirational and uh but because I can't like when I start to talk about like the things that go on, we've all heard what happens and uh, and and so I oh shit, what did I bring that up now? That's why it's hard to turn a ship around. It seemed like a short turn at the time. And I think it could be, if you help me remember. Um, uh, I got nothing, man. Shit. Um, John McCain. John McCain's funeral. He orchestrated it all himself. He orchestrated it all. It was very political. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, I interrupted. No, no, no. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't. I, I, I guess what, uh, perhaps what I'm trying to get back to, at least what I was thinking about before, um, was that Spike Lee could have made a movie attacking cops. Yeah, and and, oh, and perhaps he has at times. You were talking about how this is a critique. How. Um Boots yeah, the, the critique of Brutes Riley, one of it is the, is the excusing of the cops or so, uh, sort of making them out to be champions against racism, which by all <laughs> maybe is not the case. Yeah. But, but something, and, and so maybe I'm the last person to be that should be talking about this, but it was nice to see it come from this place, come from Spike Lee, a kind of angry young african-american filmmaker at times or in, in his history like basically he's the one putting this putting forth this narrative that maybe the cops aren't our biggest enemy or maybe they're not all evil or whatever it is that he's saying about it but like he basically puts he's talking about some of that in this and i and i was just like you know if you're gonna put something out into the world where where i think it's important to expose corruption i think it's important to for people to be held accountable for the things that they do. But I do kind of feel like it's a good thing to see the first African-American policeman on this force or whatever as a heroic figure, even if maybe he wasn't, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but I like the idea that maybe the cops are trying to do some good. Yeah. It's not yeah. the worst thing to put out in the world, even if it's not hundred percent true. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know. Well, and at the same time, too, like Spike Lee is a filmmaker. Like he's trying. Like I, I think it would be hard pressed to say that there, this movie does not have a political message. But yeah. at the same time, he's he has to tell a story in that film. Like he has to. He's a filmmaker. Yeah. And and a storyteller. Yeah. They're, and a they're having to make concessions to and they're. I, there has to be a, I, and this is again they get that based on a true story, right? It's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there has to be some artistic license. 
it made for I, it made I, for I, a really engaging story that you wanted to watch, and you felt and, vindicated at the yes, end because he yes. did he did infiltrate the KKK, right? But it, like that's not a payoff for the average audience member to say they're not going to be able to take away from the story if it would have ended with them saying great job there wasn't one cross burning during this entire investigation but i need you to burn all the evidence and it ended there the average person myself included isn't going to walk out and be like but he still won he infiltrated the kkk like he fooled david duke right like because that's the real takeaway that in, in that he did do that yeah. like that happened well, and the other thing about that is it just shows it shows what a ridiculous thing the construct of race is like yeah. he he had a relationship with that guy yes yep. he just yes. didn't see what he looked like yep. you know what i mean right. so, and so i think that's part of it too so a couple of fun facts that i read on the the wikipedia or the imdb page um you guys being movie buffs will appreciate this. According to the editor of this movie, whose name is Barry Alexander Brown, there were no deleted scenes for this movie. Oh, oh wow. I didn't know that. A That's rare, very a rarity. It says interesting a rarity rare, in the yeah. industry, which I can imagine like every movie yeah. has a ton of deleted scenes. There were none in this movie. Uh, wow. The real Ron Stallworth, this is a funny one. The real Ron Stallworth kept his clan membership card and unexpectedly revealed that while promoting revealed while promoting the film that he still carries it in his wallet. Stallworth <laughs> joked that he was amused at the prospect of someone discovering it in his personal effects after his death. Uh. So, like, <laughs> he was still able to like get out of his own head and see that like what I'm doing here is comical because race is such a ridiculous construct that we have decided ourselves. I'm going to keep this in my wallet. So somebody's going to pull it out someday and be like, what the hell? Yeah. 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 Like he's a walking David Chappelle. Aura. 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 Tidbit, Ron Livingston is the actor in Office Space. Sorry, I said awesome. that a handful of times. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, there was one thing that they said about the... Contrary to popular belief, the real Ron Stallworth never used a quote-unquote white voice on the phone. He ironically had to use his real voice or they would have caught him if he slipped out of character. When his white colleagues told him it could not work, he asked what made his voice any different from theirs, and they were never able to give him an answer. Yeah. So, like, I that think, ties yeah, into they do the, that in the movie. movie right? Like, they talk yeah. about that in the movie is like the way that his voice sounds different. Yeah. Well, and he, he says, he's like, well, how is it exactly yeah. what that I talk? They, they, because, it, and that's one of the things or tries that to I, explain it. Yeah. I liked about that portion of it is because he did not do the, the stereotypical black guy doing a white guy's voice. Oh, yeah. You know, where yeah. they all talk. Like you might hear Eddie Murphy do in the, yes, in the 80s yes. or something. And uh, I'm glad they didn't do that. He was, he just was who he was. He just talked how he talked. Yeah. You know? And funnily enough, like that whole white voice thing on the phone is 100% central and even like yes. comical in the Sorry to Bother You movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry so. to Bother You. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. one we have to see. Yeah, it, it, that's a very interesting movie. Like the whole, uh, I mean, whatever kind of the oh, yeah. beef or whatever, like Boots Riley is very careful in the first so many paragraphs to say like how much he admires Spike Lee, how how this has nothing to do with the movie and these, this has as much more to do with uh, 
historical things on which it's based that he happens to have some knowledge yeah. on. Yeah. And the way our society is, is set up and Yeah. 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 Mm. That makes yeah. sense. Overall yeah. it was it was a, another phenomenal movie, another movie that I would like to watch again a lot more. It left me a lot feeling a lot more heavy and like because How fucking of, awesome was Adam Driver. Again, oh, like just, yeah, yeah. that is, is important my, to talk about. He is my like he has replaced, I think, officially Brad Pitt as my Hollywood man crush. Oh, nice, all right, nice. He's Holy just, shit! I saw him in an interview so today, fantastic. and I'm like, he's Ichabod Crane. <laughs> but he is fantastic. I I do. I have a lot of love for that guy. He's for, just for, such a, He's a really yeah. good actor. I, we just watched the bad lip reading for Force Awakens again, and like his. Jesus, do you hurt for him as as Kylo Ren? Like you, you hurt for him in that movie. Like that scene with him and and Harrison Ford on the bridge, on the bridge, yeah. Where he's just he knows what he's about to do, and it's ripping him apart. Jesus fucking Christ! They see Neil that scene. <laughs> yeah. All right, I can't talk about. We talk about Star Wars every, every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus, no, but he's he's astounding. He's like one of those guys that he hasn't uncanny naturalism about him like completely disarming yes i in watched every him movie. in this movie and Especially thought about the one what's the one where he has a southern accent with uh um, logan lucky logan, logan lucky, lucky yeah yeah and i'm like the last movie i saw adam driver in was logan lucky and then i watched this one like yeah. how he means a good fucking actor because he can, yeah. he can change and convince you that he is the character you're right in he, all it, the it is disarming like, at how how yeah. natural he just plays the yeah. character yep. you just, wonder how many times it's like it's an improv type moment and, yeah and, and then i and but i literally wonder i'm like was that because it could be or it could be he's just that good yeah. but there's this uh, sincerity there you don't feel at any point even when he's doing comedy i feel like a lot of times currently comedic actors act they they try to do like bill murray like they're in on the joke while they're yeah. acting yeah yeah right? they're too yeah too cool for it yeah and and he doesn't do that it's it's just natural it's just he's just a phenomenal actor just i in he doesn't overplay stuff no you know like at least um no. i mean maybe in star wars sometimes but that's such a big thing that maybe he's not it, but, and that's that part either. of the character like he's driven by emotion like all yeah. all dark side are are driven by emotion so uh we're back on star wars again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right so, so ash gave her final thoughts what's your final thoughts on it dave i i know i talked a lot up. about the seriousness of it and but ultimately i thought it was a really great movie they they did ask spike lee like uh, why now why 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 or what do you want people to do or something anyway he was like we gotta vote we gotta get people yes. out to vote so i looked up just like how quickly to do that because i i know we don't have a lot of listeners but we do have some and I, we have a fair amount in ohio which carries a big weight yes. um because of the electorate and stuff so i went to vote.org you can register to vote in less than two minutes i think all you need is a driver's license i'm pretty sure like there's a couple there's like two things you need anyway it's not hard especially if you're white <laughs> to register to vote mm -hmm. and um it, it is satisfying and easy to do to just kind of go and just like let's get the fucking white let's get the kkk out of the fucking white house yeah. how about that that's my closing thoughts vote.org like you can literally register to vote in like here, two here. minutes so here here that's all 
I, I <laughs> that, uh, that that sounds like shitty. Like, okay, what do you got, Paul? <laughs> yeah, no. I, but, I, mean, well, I, I mean, you're so, like, like that. that's. If if there's anything that we can take from this episode, it's that. Like, just go. I mean, vote even whatever way you fall on. I'm assuming if you're listening to yeah. us, like you're you you're not for racism because we're not for racism. <laughs> But if you want to vote in a hateful piece of shit, that's on you. <laughs> but, but you still got to go to vote.org <laughs> to do that. So, um, yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. That was terrible. So what do they call it? Virtue signaling? Like, that's like what I've been doing all, all night. Did you, anyway, did you hear about the polling, all the polling places they're trying to shut down in Georgia, I think? To, and, and they're all in like uh, black communities. And they're, they're trying to reduce the amount of polling stations. And all the one... I got to. So if God forbid, like, well, not God forbid, but if maybe fortunately somehow you're there, um, you can drive people to polls and stuff like that. Like there are there uh, sometimes like, so the bride has been more involved in sort of political action and than I certainly have in the past. And she's done door knocking and cold calling. And I'm just like, Jesus God, like how does that possibly help? And more, and I think more than anything, that's me just like not wanting to social awkwardness (laughs) or inconvenience of it. It's the small Um, grassroots efforts that, that do have an impact. You don't think they do in the immediate, but, they do. Yeah. I, I, but it is. It's that whole, if they came for me, it's like, it's our collective fucking humanity at stake. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thought the movie, honestly, I thought the movie is super fun. It's somehow super, funny. It's, it's fun it's, and funny. I don't know. Even, even the, I mean, and, and it's not like the KKK members are played like dopes where you want to laugh at them. Like they're, you, they're, yeah. the, a lot of what they say is cringy and just like, but yes. even in some of those scenes, there's good comedy going on. And a lot of it's come comes through Adam Driver because he's like poking fun at them. We know he's poking fun at them. They don't know that. So we are in on the joke at that uh, in those scenes. Yeah. Um, I, the last I love thing I, Ron Stallworth do like karate moves when he's excited about a little oh, like yeah. a little thing that gets him a little further up in the organization of the, like just the police force. He's like, okay, okay, okay. I mean, there's like, there's, there, I don't know. There's a, there's a surprising amount of joy and fun in a movie that ultimately ends with like five minutes of really sobering um, reality. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was very fun. It was my, the best movie I've seen in ages and ages and ages. And not just because I'm trying to sound smart. Like yeah. it's actually fun and good. We saw um, I, Tanya when we were at the beach. We watched I, Tanya and then. We watched this for the first time. Yeah, for the I first can't time. Remember if we talked about that. Yeah. But uh, Paul Walter Hauser, he's in this. He's the like the chubby. Oh yeah, the, the heavy guy. Yeah, that guy was brilliant in I Tanya. Both, he was yeah. brilliant in this. He's a yeah, like that guy. Watch that guy. He's gonna be big. Yeah, I think he, like, he is excellent. Um, oh, Nicholas Turturro. Is that the? Is that a brother of John Turturro? It is the brother of John Turturro. Who does he play? So he's he's the cake. He's the guy that gives the bomb. To, in Black Klansman, like who sets the bomb who up, recognizes Adam Driver as the cop who arrested him oh, in yeah. jail. Oh my God! Like that guy who was on him the whole, like didn't believe him the whole movie. Yeah. Holy well, shit. I leaned over to Ash and I ha- and I have to ask. I, I, I I'm oh gonna have God. to check, but he he looks like he is a Latino and he's a KKK member. Like he, right? Yeah. 
Uh, it's brother, brother Jesus. It don't matter to Jesus, man. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> fuck you on Saturday. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you haven't even seen Big Lebowski. You don't know. I those just jokes. like seeing Dave yeah. do an accent. I think that's funny. Oh my Nobody god! With the Jesus. The Jesus, holy shit! Yeah, yeah oh, that is too fun. You bring, you like flash, fuck Blair Witch. Watch Big Lebowski. In front of me, I want to grab it, reach it out of your hand, and stick it up your ass, and pull the trigger until <laughs> it says click, click. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! That the, I, I would never have guessed that. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, just go see this movie and then go vote. Yeah. Like, yes, listen for the message. And Let the it message is, in. it's going to take yeah. us. That And it's Harry Belafonte is delivering that message. It's yeah. going to take us to make this change happen. If we, we can't just sit and talk about it, how awful it is, and I can't believe this, and I can't do this. And if we, so if we want that to change, we have to make the change happen. And it's going to happen internally. And it's going to be small and it's going to feel insignificant. But all of those, listen, like a grain of sand is nothing by itself, but you put enough of them together and you get a beach, right? Like, so that's what it's going to take. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Yep. Good for me. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Thanks for that's... having me, guys. It was wonderful to have yeah. this conversation Thanks with for you coming both. on. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's past your, past your bedtime. Yeah, we, it is past, past, my, past both of our bedtime, all of our bedtimes. Yeah, yeah we all got to be working. So. Don't don't do. That. Oh, yeah. that syllable alone sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So, uh, thank you so much to our two viewers that are stuck it out with oh, us. We really wow. appreciate thank it. You. We, we fluctuated around two or three viewers the entire time. Thank you so much yeah. for that. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Stepping uh, off. Really my appreciate it. Now. For those of you listening to us on the podcast, uh, whatever means you happen to hear us, make sure you're subscribed in that avenue. So if it's on iTunes podcast like Ash listens to or Stitcher or Google Play Music or YouTube, uh, actually, what would be awesome is go to all of those things, subscribe on all of them, listen to whatever one is your favorite, but really head over to youtube though and make sure you subscribe there for sure because we're, we're we get closer every day i feel we're up like 63 we, we're up see we're at 53 uh, the last episode like we're up 10 people yeah the last thank time like thank you so much for that like head over to youtube click that subscribe click the bell uh because we're so close to getting that unique url that would be so awesome if we hit that I will do something huge. We'll have the hundred subscriber episode like for yeah. that. Like that's going to be awesome. So uh, make sure that you're going over and doing that while you're doing that. Make sure you leave us a, a review. That'd be great because we all know the society that we live in now, like you saying how much you enjoy the show. If you enjoy the show, if you don't leave that review too, but people will see that and that might get us more view, more, more people listening. So, um, if you got the time, do that too. Uh, head over to audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Uh, search for Black Klansman. Or oh, yeah. I, I, I listened to uh, the Ready Player One since the last time oh, we talked. Right. I, I, yeah. It was, it was kind of short, but uh, Will Wheaton reads that, which is awesome. Uh, download. Uh, but if you go to audibletrial.com, com slash lwsd you can download your start your free audible trial and get your free audiobook 
Uh, and make sure you follow us on Twitter at LWSD pod. Right. I think that's all. Yes, of them. sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the good stuff. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. 53 in the can. Um, thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, yeah. Ash. This, let's not wait so long next time. Yeah, we'll, uh, I agree. Blair Witch or Big Lebowski or whatever it might be. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe we can get a Blair we gotta Witch in there. The, we got to revisit the list of three. We're coming up to Halloween. So I, I'm, I'm in the... Th- I, I want to watch scary movies. I really can't wait for the one that I'm anxious for the most is um oh Bustass's Halloween is coming out. What? You don't wait, know about what? this? Oh, oh no, I do know. David Gordon Green is is making the Halloween movie. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but it's written by Bustass. Fuck you. No, it is not. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, maybe we should keep that as a spoiler for next week. Oh, my God. All right, I'm going to bail. All right, bye, baby. That can't be right. (laughs) You guys are going to be talking in an hour. Halloween 2018, written by... John Carpenter, characters, Jeff Fraley. Oh, he's one of the writers, though. Oh, Deborah Hill. That's one of uh, Carpenter's... And Danny McBride, I like. I wish they would bill it as bust. It's his. It's his idea. He kicked this off the ground. What? Yeah. Oh dear. Have you heard anything about this? Only, only just the that. No, not really. (laughs) This is okay. We gotta watch the trailer for this, and then we'll end on. Yeah, that's a great teaser. All right. Will Patton is in it. Oh, oh. The ice is going to break. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, we'll go down a rabbit hole and we we have to stop. We have I know, to stop. Yeah. Uh, here. I, I do want to watch this trailer. I'm not sure. I might have seen some on TV, um, but not a longer one. I had no idea about the Daniel McBride. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Trick or treat! See, my house is here. Which one should we go to? They're all spooky. I'm gonna pick that one over on the street. Yeah, deal! Oh, what the? Hey! Oh, my Forty years ago, on Halloween night, Michael Myers murdered three people. After that horrific night, he was sent back to the institution in captivity.
You have no security system, Karen. Mom, you need help. Evil is real. There's a reason we're supposed to be afraid of this light. I've been preparing for this for a long time. It is not safe to be on the street tonight. Go home! Get out of here! Get inside! Michael! He's here. He is a killer, but he will be killed tonight. Happy Halloween, Michael. So the whole premise of this is none of the sequels happened. Only the, like it, it retcons all of, uh, all of the Halloween sequels. So only, I had heard that. So yeah. only the first one exists and then it ends and since that first one, Jamie Lee Curtis has essentially Sarah Connored. Like she's, yeah, she's, she's ready. her house is supposed to be like a death trap for Michael Myers. Like she spent those 40 years turning that house into a, a, a trap for him, basically. And Man. <laughs> it looks so good. It does. Like, I don't. I haven't seen all of those certainly, but I don't remember any of it. Like that whole integration of him into Halloween Night. Oh yeah, was pretty obvious, but kind of like awesome and revelatory at the same time. Is that something you do see in some of the other movies that they're ignoring? Or well, I haven't seen a lot of the sequels to be honest with you. And honest, the remakes like the Rob Zombie remakes, because he made two yeah. of those, right? Where um, I remember those more. I, I remember the first one, of course, like the original one. Um, but I did not see a lot of the sequels. I saw the one with the little girl, and she ends up be, like following in his footsteps. She's like the, the survivor of the family. Oh. And uh, I didn't see Halloween H2O. I know oh, that a, yeah, a lot of fans like that one. Like they brought Jamie Lee Curtis back for that one. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that either. But I like the idea that this is supposed to be a direct sequel to that first one. And like I, I what got me hooked though was that Danny McBride. This is his. This is his <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, yeah, the David Gordon Green part of it, who's is, you know he made uh, all the real girls and stuff, and he. It's an interesting filmmaker because he came from like art house cinema and then and has also he's made a lot of different kinds of movies. And anyway, so the idea that it was his take on it to begin with was interesting enough. Also, the premise alone, regardless of who made it, would have been kind of interesting to me. But between that, him and it's bust ass's take. Yeah. Danny McBride. Oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> That's how I heard about this. Like I heard it was like I heard it referred to as Danny McBride's Halloween movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh. So I'm Yeah, I, we gotta so, do some Halloween shit. I'm excited uh, somehow. Like that that's the one that I'm excited for. This comes out uh 
in theaters October 19th. So, um, I mean, and that's kind of brave too. They see uh, like typically with horror movies, they will put them out in August because they can get, they can keep them in the theater that long. It's like, it's like people putting Christmas out shit out in September, right? Like, Oh yeah. Hoping to get, extend that well the studios will do that with horror films so i like i remember house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects both of those came out in late august i can't remember that too to get though i didn't see them in theaters i remember that yeah but to get like that the last couple weeks in august all of september and all of october because the second halloween is over it's it's the oscar run right so like that's when like all the big shit starts and so it yeah so it maybe in a way it's like what uh what you said before with horror movies like they it's it's both right it's (laughs) it's like that they're counting on that opening weekend yep and at the same time well i don't know at the same time because yeah what is the, the it is different like that goes to stands to reason to what you said but at the same time the uh but there's still the model is is August, right? Well, you're going to get the most like with a shitty horror movie, you're going to get the most on opening weekend, but there will still be people seeing it three weeks later if it's still in the theaters. You know what I mean? I wonder if, wonder if it's some sort of like Oscar play as well or, or, or some sort of I like wanting to have it be more than the August horror movie. I don't oh, know because it doesn't be. it doesn't seem like a prestigious sort of presentation, but a little bit more so than. I wonder. I don't know. I, I I think it's very bold of them to put it out right there. Either that or they're not anticipating it doing very well and they want to make sure it's still in theaters during Halloween. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Because I don't think House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects made it to Halloween. <laughs> like, I, I think, oh. you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and those are both pretty well-regarded films. Yeah. Well, Devil's Rejects, Jesus, that's a one-timer. Ugh. <laughs> it's really really good but oh is it you feel i remember it. one part being especially upsetting yeah uh but the bride is much more when the daughter is wearing her father's face as a man running in and the field like, yeah runs <laughs> out in one. front that's of a semi truck and gets exploded <laughs> yeah that's well, i forgot about the explosion i just remember the running in the field with the face mask on that yeah, was like and wow hands are tied <laughs> I love the last shot though. The last with Freebird playing, like where they're just so busted and they're like, you're just like, give the fuck up. And they can't. Like, it's just not in their nature to do that. Like, it's, yeah. Ugh, I could talk all night, but I can't. <laughs> no. Yeah. You got to go, go to sleep. This is very fun, as it always is. Yep. The next time we'll have to catch up uh, on some King business. Uh, definitely King stuff. I, I, I will make it a point to start. So, uh why don't we do this let's next recording is going to be on september 19th mm-hmm. right let's devote some time to um i want to try to watch eleven twenty two sixty three and get started on uh on castle rock so let's devote a good portion of that to a king corner that of that yeah that sounds good some king stuff yeah because i i finished um i also finished the outsider so i'm oh cool uh, and i i i list um through uh running man oh did you like it uh, 
I did, yeah. And there's there was one like passage that I yeah was very I don't know like really caught me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Uh, Castle Rock has been amazing. Oh, really incredible. Uh, there's a podcast devoted to it too, which is fun. Like a half hour uh, companion. I would recommend that if um called Footnote. Okay. Castle Rock. It, it's like official. It's like a half hour thing, and they'll take like it's a little bit like Palmer Spix in a way, in that they take three clips. <laughs> oh, nice! And they base their conversation around it. For so each episode, it might be a f- they do that. Yeah, for each. And actually, um, the a great place to start. They do a bonus. They call it a bonus episode, and it sort of it's a, it's a little longer. And they talk about various places in Maine on which Stephen King books are based, and the kind of the idea. It's like a little teaser for the show setting up kind of the world of Castle Rock, but also grounded in, um, yeah, in where Stephen King was basing his books. So that that actually might be fun for you. I know you don't have much of a commute anymore, but... Um, well, I yeah. especially now, right now, while I'm still waiting to get off the ground in uh, my job, I have a lot of time. So where headphones and, and a good internet connection are going to be my friend. So that's... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely recommend that. Foot Footnote, uh, the the Castle Rock podcast, listen to the bonus episode. Yeah. It's kind of whet your appetite. But it is, yeah. It's it's so like of Stephen King without being actual like Are you all caught up on, on that show on Castle Rock? Yeah, I'm current. They put it out once a week. Yeah. And, and the bride and I are watching it together and it's been it's been really good. It's like, you know, some of the best TV I've seen. Awesome. So. Well, I will uh, I, I will try to get caught up between now and the 19th so we can just talk about that. Oh, that'd be cool. I feel yeah. like we skipped King for a little while, so... Um, and it's never uh, far you, from our hearts. Have you watched the <laughs> film version of Running Man yet? Not yet. I was. Uh, I I certainly intend to. Yeah. From what I was looking at, it seems like like not a lot of the character names carry over and it's stuff. But a, I know you, you it, liked it. I think it is a it is an adaptation and concept, just about only. Uh, it's not a direct adaptation. Uh, yeah, so don't expect that. I'm in, I'm interested. And, and uh, now that I I've I finished it maybe like a week ago or. I like the idea of there being a little bit of space. I've had a chance to like let that be its own thing. Yeah. So now I can, I can see Arnold. What's next on your list for <laughs> Dark Tower? So I, I would be good for you to maybe recommend a definitive. Like here's the audio one you should go with. Oh, uh, the up uh, the do the update the one that's read by George Goodell the updated George Goodell and okay one that's the one I that would sounds read. good yeah or all right to. yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, oh man, are you gonna listen to the? So, are you gonna do Dark Tower in a like? You're only gonna come across those books in the chronology, or are you gonna do the whole series? I don't know. I mean, I've been kind of thinking like that, um, like just doing that one, and then. But but I think if there's enough, I don't know, exterior stimulus, like maybe if Double D gets a little further along, and I could keep up somehow or something, maybe he's, I would. He should would. be starting book four if he hasn't already. Book four? Yeah. Wow. All yeah. right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I could be swayed. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know what... Because I'm also excited. You, you got me that the, the Seasons book, and I could get into, like, basically finally Shawshank and oh, some of the yeah. other stuff, too. Yeah. So, God, so it might be depending on Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Maybe how other factors work out, or however, uh, wherever I am to where, um, if I'm into some of that, and none of these other things have picked up steam, then maybe I'll kind of. But you know, I've I've broken chronology before, like when the It movie came out and yeah. stuff. I, I jumped ahead. So, oh. 
I'm up for it at times. Yeah. I just don't want to like, I want to make sure to enjoy and not try to. Absolutely. Try to shove it all down at once. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that, that's coming up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. All right. Buddy. All right. Well, we're, we're more than 40 minutes more. So we should yep. be. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, sir. I this love you. Great, great episode. Fun. I love you also. And uh, we'll talk Steve, more Stephen King on the 19th. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Cheers, Long Walkers. Yep, thanks a lot, Long Walkers. Have a great evening. Bye.